Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, on this fine Sunday morning, I am joined by my forever co-host, and actually under the weather brother-in-law. Ryan, yes. how you doing? Good. Uh, for the most part, I I might sound sick, because I probably am just a little bit. It's it's mo- mostly coughing and uh, some like phlegm, so I, I, se- I sound like a smoker mm. of 50 years, suffering from the black lung of the coal mines that I... I worked in, in my youth. Yeah. <laughs> so that is me now. Good for you. Well, yeah, I'm actually kind of overcoming a little bit of a sickness. Um, woke up a couple nights ago, probably Sunday or Monday, just kind of in a coughing spell. And that kind of continued throughout the rest <clears throat> of the week. Got progressively worse. And then I would say the past two nights, it's more kind of turned into that <clears throat> phlegm nasty cough. Yeah. <laughs> you sure you're going to be okay for this? <laughs> Yeah, it's just going to be me cracking myself up over here. Okay. Well, why, don't you, why don't you calm down because we actually have a guest on the podcast today. Yeah, and he's well. He's much well, more, uh, well, blah, 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 blah. And he can talk, hopefully. So, Blink, what's up? Yeah, Blink, how you doing? Talk, please. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having yeah. me on. I, I, you know, I suddenly, in the last one minute, I feel like I'm coming down with this terrible cough. It's going to be a, it's going to be a rough podcast. Yeah, it really could be. Hopefully, what Ryan has is not transferable over the internet, because yeah. uh, it's it's getting pretty ugly over there. I think it's actually getting worse as we keep talking. But hopefully not. Yeah, I'm becoming more caffeinated, so doing well. We're gonna hang in yeah. there, Blink. We want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on this podcast today, because you're one of many guests that I've wanted to have on for quite some time. And similar to the guests we've had previously, it's just like. When do we want to fit them in? Like, what's a good topic that we want to bring Blink into? And then eventually it was just like, we don't need to find a specific topic to bring Blink on. Let's just bring a good friend on and, and chat about good stuff. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. That, that You are very flattering. That is very kind of you. We do our best here on the Otaku Brothers podcast. We do our best. But how's your week going, man? How you doing? How you holding up? How's life? Honestly, doing pretty dang good uh we i'm in the middle of a four-day weekend right now which mm. is just a beautiful thing we took an extra day to make the the long weekend a four day uh actually a very selfish day i work at a university and the day i took off is the first day of classes which is historically like <laughs> the busiest day for all of it support oh nice but i happen to be in a pocket of it that is not like uh on the front lines i guess my job is more like process C business analyst type stuff so they can they'll be fine without me for a day so I've just been enjoying the the beautiful fall weather mm. very excited that the weather's starting to cool down yeah it's, it's good stuff yeah you were talking in the discord and I couldn't agree more that objectively speaking fall is the best season and if fall was a color it'd be purple oh that's just true I mean have you ever <laughs> even seen fall have you ever looked outside and seen all the different trees changing colors? It, it turns into hoodie weather. Ugh. You don't need to have your heat or your air conditioning on. You get October halfway through it. Mm. Oh, my God. It's so good. It is so good. Yeah. I love sleeping with the windows open, getting that slight breeze and chill, and then just 
getting under the covers, adding a couple layers. It's good stuff. Yeah. I uh, I just started opening opening up my windows, I think, last week. Mm. Um, I did find out that my dog doesn't like the windows open, though. Oh, yeah? Um, she <clears throat> she hears everything outside, so she's barking like half the night. So, But the weather's nice. It is very nice. Yeah. It is very nice. And speaking of nice things, we have lots of fun questions for you, Blank, to kind of kick off the episode. Before we get into what's going to be, I think, a fun agenda. We've got a lot of things on the Otaku Brothers Agenda Palette today. Uh, before we get to any of those things, again, we have to know more about Blink because while I think the the Discord community of Otaku Brothers and people that you know watch Blink on Twitch kind of know your taste in games, know a little bit about the things you like to talk about, the games you like to play, but for those that don't know Blink, we love going back to know what little old wee little lad Blink was like. So please help us understand or enlighten the listeners what are some of the games you first, you know, played as a kid or, you know, did your parents introduce you to video games? Did you kind of stumble into a guest room and find an Atari 2600 and start playing? Just help us understand and enlighten us how you started playing video games. Tell the story of you. Yes. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was not my parents. Certainly it's not my parents. I... My mom knows what an N64 is, and she's weirdly good at Mario Kart 64, but other than that, my parents basically don't understand what games are in the least bit. Uh, it, it was my sister growing up that was my big influence that started getting me into games. In fact, my very earliest memory of anything game-related, it was it would have been Christmas of 93, 92, mm. whatever when I was five. I can't do math on the fly. And... Uh, my sister, who is about nine, ten years older than me, so we were both living at the in the the house at the time. She snuck down at midnight on Christmas Eve, and she woke me up and she's like, "Hey, hey, we got to go upstairs. We're gonna open our presents. You know, Santa already delivered everything. We're good to go." Oh no! And I was like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh, snap! He came early. Let's do this thing." So I went up at midnight. I opened all my presents. My main present was a Sega Genesis with Sonic Two. Very nice. So she helped me hook it up to like the big enormous crt tv sitting in the living room got it all hooked up and ready and i played sonic 2 from you know 12 30 in the morning straight until 8 in the morning when my parents woke up oh, no. they came out <laughs> and i was sitting there playing sonic 2 and they're like oh you're you're already up and i was like oh yeah i, I just got up you know <laughs> i just got up a little bit ago i've just i just plugged it in i'm just figuring out how this game works little do they know i've already gone through the thing like two times or oh at least the gosh. first few levels that you can actually beat when you're five years old so that that was my very earliest memory and i ended up as a result being a a genesis kid from that point forward how does it feel to be able to play and beat a sonic game uh well it felt really good in the past i don't know that i could do it anymore because <laughs> <laughs> as a 27 year old man i cannot for the life of me get through even the first level in any of the Sonic games. I, I feel like I might be able to get into some of the more recent games. Um, what was it? Sonic Forces, I think, was free on PlayStation Plus a couple months back, and I downloaded that. Haven't had a chance to play it, or something like maybe Sonic Adventure. Not that it's aged better than the earlier Sonic games, but I think it's maybe more accessible to someone that grew up playing a Mario, like the Mario games. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. You, you, uh, you know what the secret to being able to beat sonic games is please tell me it, it's to never have played a mario game oh. so i 
growing up, like my my sister had an NES, but we never had a Super Nintendo, and everyone and like all the friends on my block had Sega Genesis, and so I played Sega until I was probably like ten. Like I played a little bit of occasional like Contra on my sister's NES, but it wasn't until she got bored with it and gave it to me as a hand me down that I actually played Nintendo systems proper. Okay. So I never knew that Mario was out there. I never knew it was easier than Sonic. And so I just <laughs> thought Sonic is the base level platformer you had to deal with. Wow. That's awesome. So now are you more a Mario fan or a Sonic fan? Uh, I'm more of a fan of the Mario games now. I'm much more nostalgic for Sonic as a character. Okay. okay. Good so, stuff. So did you play any of the like 3D Sonic games, not the 2D ones? Uh, I've played I, Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2, but I haven't played any of the, like, Secret Rings, Sonic Black and the Black Knight, Knight. yeah. <laughs> None of yeah. That. Okay. Yeah, I've seen some of the gameplay for those, and there's a level of polish that they did not achieve. It's lacking, <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely got a jank factor. So... I guess I'm just curious, Blink, was there like a particular game and maybe it was Sonic for you that you played growing up or even more into like your adult life where something like really clicked with you where you were just like, I love video games and this is something I'm going to be doing for like the rest of my life? Um, Or is it just kind of more organic over time? You got the Genesis and then your sister, you know, the hand-me-downs of the Nintendo consoles that you just kind of just continue playing games the rest of your life. Was that, there's that singular gaming experience where it was just like, this is, this is good stuff. Uh, I wouldn't say that there was like one Omega game that yeah. suddenly shaped my entire life, but there have definitely been like uh, spikes, periods in, in interest as a result of one game. So like Sonic is a really good example of that. And then later in life, I would say getting my N64 with Super Mario 64 is like what really set me off as my like video games are now my primary hobby. This is the thing that I want to do more than anything else. Yes. Because it was just like, it was so crazy seeing, because I mean, I'd played Sonic and I had played Mario, so I was familiar with Mario, but like going from like a Sonic 2 to Super Mario 64 was such a huge leap that I, my eyes were wide and I was like, oh my gosh, what, what could possibly be next? How could they possibly get any better than this? Yeah. How old were you when you, sorry, how old were you when you got the N64 then? Uh... I would have been nine, ten, okay. something like that. Okay. Good stuff. So then I'm guessing yeah. you're getting the new collection with uh, Mario 64 coming on it for the Switch. Oh yeah, definitely. I can't. I can't say no to that. You know, it, it's funny. All my console stories, really, my origin story for games ends up being how I got my consoles because. Mm. My N64, if you want to hear a funny story, I, do. I got my N64 as like a peace offering from my parents to stop being so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to, at this point in my life, my sister was still like where I played games and she had moved out because she was now in her like early 20s and she had an apartment not too far away and I would go spend the night at her apartment sometimes and she had an N64 and so I would play Mario 64, Mario Kart and a couple other games over at her house. And I, I like really wanted one. I was like obsessed with this thing. And I, every weekend I wanted to go over and, and spend time at the sister department because it's like all I wanted to do. And my parents must have bought me an N64 in preparation for my birthday. Mm. But like a month beforehand or something, I was 
I, and I couldn't tell you why at this point, but I was in this horrible, terrible 10 year old mood. Like I was being a jerk. I was like kicking stuff. I was being really like, <laughs> oh, having a bad day. I don't want to talk to anyone right now. Just a pouty blink. Just ultimate pouty blink. And I went, my mom's like, Hey, come down here. And I was like, okay. So I came downstairs and hooked up to our downstairs TV. My mom and my sister were sitting there and there was the NN64 hooked up with Mario plugged in. It was like, it was sitting at the, the very first location that Mario stands after you boot up the game. So oh, like yeah. standing in the field outside the castle. And because I was in such a terrible pouty mood, I was like, Oh, Amy's here. You brought the N64. I don't even care. I don't <laughs> want to play the N64 right now. And then I like, I realized that like I was looking at the TV and I saw where Mario was standing and that there was like the zero stars mm. on the counter. Like this was a fresh file. And I was like, wait, wait and they're like yeah this is your n64 <laughs> and instantly i was like what i'm in a great mood whatever whatever i was horribly upset about I, the lesson being if you want something we'll just be really terrible to the people that would otherwise do nice <laughs> things to you because they'll do those nice things sooner oh my gosh that's awesome i was actually contemplating that process like doing that too like just pouting to my parents but they haven't gotten me a console yet yeah <laughs> in any time soon or in the recent recently that's awesome mm-hmm. i love hearing just the time like i love hearing when people got like a specific console i know jason heine he has an amazing story when he got the nintendo wii um you know when when it first came out and him standing in line for it unfortunately i feel like i don't have like those type of memories other than my ps2 memory when my mom got me that for christmas but I don't know. It's just such a fun conversation to have with people. Yeah, I definitely... It is. My, my PS2 is a big one, too. You know what you should do? Something that my friends and I did not that long ago. And this was... I, w- I did this with friends that are largely not, like, gamers as their primary hobby. But we went into Excel, and we built out the game timeline of our lives. And essentially, just mapped out every year that we've been alive up to that point, and, and what, like what games were the the most relevant to you? Like, what were you obsessed with? What were you playing constantly? Like, what, what games were, like, most pivotal to your experience at that time? And so you can see, like, oh, you know, from 2010 to 2014, I was really obsessed with StarCraft II, and my entire adult life I've been really obsessed with In the Groove. But if you go back, oh, look at these three or four years where I was only playing Sega Genesis games and Contra gives you a really neat visual of like hmm i can see all the ways that games were important to me over time that's fascinating that cool. i actually um so back in my dad's house that's kind of where i have like all of my the relics of my collection if you will like just that's where i keep most of the the good stuff until Lauren and i eventually hopefully get a house where i can kind of move all of that stuff from his place to our place um but i also have like a a bucket full of old receipts from GameStops, Play and Trades, Game Crazies, Hollywood videos, dating back probably 15 plus years at this point. Um, and also for my Wii, I guess getting the Wii was another great story for me. Um, but I had the original receipt for that, the original receipt for getting my Xbox 360 where I got 
Halo 3 Vegas or Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Vegas 2 NCA Football 2008 or whatever the heck I got. And it is really cool to see those snapshots in time to one, ask yourself, do I even have these games anymore? And then two, you kind of see a little picture of like what your gaming tastes were at that point in time versus now. It's, it's really pretty cool to, cool to look back on that kind of, kind of stuff. I wish I had saved more of the receipts and things from games I bought. In, later in life, I've gotten into the habit of if I buy something from, you know, GameStop or Best Buy or something, I'll throw the receipt in the box. But that won't become super interesting and nostalgic until 20 years from now when I've forgotten all that stuff. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. When the GameStops are out of business and the <sighs> yeah. Best Buys. And... Well, that's when it'll become nostalgic, right? When GameStop is no longer a thing. And then we, yeah. look, we look back on them fondly as opposed to now just constantly giving them a hard time yeah yeah were you around during the age of funko land that's definitely what i'm nostalgic for you know i don't think i am my earliest memories of gamestop are when they were either eb games or gamestop um the only place i'm like really nostalgic for like i'm i'm nostalgic for old gamestop because i remember going in very vividly my mom parked her car um the, the GameStop in front of the mall, Ryan, over there on okay. across the bridge. Yeah. And I went in and there was just this really cool store manager there and he hooked me up with my first two copies of Game Informer, which the front covers were The Warriors, one of my favorite games published by Rockstar to this day. Also just a great 80s movie. And the other, um, uh, the other copy was From Russia With Love with Sean Connery's face or likeness on the front cover. And that's when the the Game Informer magazines were like seemingly 300 pages thick. They reviewed like 40 PS2, GameCube, and Xbox games a month. And so I'm nostalgic for that time and that when the Game Informer magazines were like that. Um, My point in all of this is like the the store I'm like really nostalgic for is Game Crazy. Going in there, um, entering Hollywood video and just having the walls of movies and games that you could rent but then going into what seemed like an MMA cage, because maybe it was just the specific game crazy I went to, but it had like this cage-like structure to it. And when you went in to the right, there was this kiosk where there were four different consoles set up with the controllers on these like wild-looking sticks. It's where I remember someone playing Guitar Hero for the first time, going in, like I kind of feel like a hipster when it comes to Guitar Hero, because I remember going in the store and seeing the the store clerk there playing it, this plastic guitar, strumming this thing, and I'm like, what is this? And he was sitting there playing Smoke on the Water, and he's like, hey, give it a try, you know? Those types of memories and just seeing the Game Boy Advanced boxes, you know, on the shelf there being displayed, like those types of times, those memories will never be replicated as we move to a more increasingly digital um, way of distributing video games. And it's it sucks, but I feel very fortunate to have those memories. Um, and I'll stop and get off my rambling box now. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Game Crazy. Was yours decorated to be all like black and green yes. with a bunch of like metal and stuff? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so good. I Game Crazy was like my primary game store when I was in high school. I actually, I can't remember if I've told this story to you before or not, but I won a Donkey Konga tournament at a Game Crazy. So I have no some way. like Game Crazy bumper stickers and stuff. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ga- it was that Game Crazy is the first place I ever saw Spider-Man 2. Like I remember standing vividly standing at one of the floating kiosks in the middle of the store 
and swinging through the streets and being so impressed that you know running on an xbox at probably 480p yeah like how beautiful this game looked like how large the draw distance was and how i like so smoothly i was able to swing through the city uh i game crazy number one store i i'll, I'll respect that opinion yeah it, so many good memories i mean it's where it's where I saw the cover for Dark Cloud for the first time. That wasn't really a game I discovered at a friend's house. I just saw Toen's face on the front cover, and I thought it was just such an interesting cover art. And looking on the back, it, it, it reminded me of something like Legend of Zelda. Unfortunately, I was you know nine, ten years old at the time. I pl- took it home, played it for an hour, and then returned it. I had a, a bad habit of doing that just because like games like Final Fantasy VII, Dark Cloud, I just didn't understand conceptually like the game mechanics. I just couldn't wrap my head around them as a young kid. So I ended up returning those those types of games, but I also am kicking myself because I remember going there one day, and I, maybe maybe this is just my ignorance speaking, but I just feel like back then, the people over the counter that were working at these places were more of your friends as opposed to like a marketing or salesperson. Yeah. You go in there and you just felt like you were just having a conversation with another gamer who was very like-minded and just wanted to hook you up with good stuff. You know, and I remember going in and these two guys were talking and I was kind of just like eavesdropping on their conversation and they said, hey, have you ever heard of the N-Gage? And I was like, uh, I remember seeing one in GameStop and I saw like a, a little kiosk with Tony Hawk in the back corner, but I never, I never played it and I'm too young for a cell phone, so I never really knew anything about it. He's like, oh, yeah, today when I was just doing some store cleaning, I just found a whole box of N-Gage games. Um never opened underneath the the counter and i was just like oh cool and then just like walked away thinking like nowadays where if i if i walked into a GameStop and was like have you ever heard of an n-gage it's like yeah and they just said well do you want this box of n-gage games never opened before it'd be like yeah see you never and then just you know walk out of the store i don't know it's just those types of things that you know out of sight out of mind i of course i didn't know what an n-gage game n-gage was really until i the Pete Doors of the world, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that. But I don't know. Do you have any like big regrets like that, Blink, where you walk into a store and, you know, you saw Earthbound in the box or Shantae on the Game Boy Color and you're just like, yeah, that looks kind of interesting, but not today. And then 15 years later, you're just really kicking yourself for never picking it up or something like that. You literally just called it there. So my my biggest gaming regret of all time, when it comes to like not purchasing something that you could have, is I remember it would have been, again, in probably early high school for me, right around the time when I got my car and I could just drive and go to all these different places. And I was in, I think, a Circuit City, mm. but it's possible it was a Comp USA. but I want to say it was a Circuit City. We had, both of those were in the same strip mall or the same, like, uh, shopping complex here. So, and I walked in, and right in the, like, front of the store on this standing, floating display was probably 20 boxed sealed copies of Shantae oh on the Game my Boy Color. Gosh. And I, I I remember walking past it and thinking like that's a weird looking game. Hmm. I wonder if I should try that and just like thinking nothing of it and probably going back to the actual game section and buying like Grand Theft Auto 3 or something. <laughs> yeah. And oh. and I kicked myself because I mean, obviously now that's like a thousand dollar game or whatever, if not more. Yeah. But not only 
like I, I have to regret it because I would have bought it too. I was very much in the phase of my life at that point where I was experimenting with games. Mm. After I got my my PS2, it was also right around the time that I got my first part-time job and I had my own income and I didn't really have any other bills other than car insurance and gas. And so I had like silly money to spend, you know, what felt like silly money at the time, you know, $100 every week or something like that that you just spend on games. And I started going to GameStops and Circuit Cities and stuff and I would just try games out because I was like, heck, let's just buy these games when they're kind of reasonably priced and and see how I like them. And that's Mm -hmm. how I found a lot of my favorite games, you know, stuff like Dark Clouds, stuff like Eco, some of the great RPGs on the PS2, like Shadow Hearts, Wakoden 3, all those were essentially just impulse purchases for me. Mm. And so I was in the right frame of mind to see Shantae and think, oh man, I I could try that out. And for whatever reason, I just didn't. And if <sighs> I could go back in time, I could buy that, that whole standee now and pay off my mortgage. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and it's like it's like one of those things too. Like you never really know if things are going to take off, right? I mean, my parents, they could have cleared store shelves of all the Pokemon Blue, Yellow, and 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 Red in the box Game Boy copies, and mm. they'd be making a fortune off of those things right now, you know. Um, but you just never know. Something like Shantae, it has a nice glossy cover with a a female genie with purple hair. Like it's it's definitely looks interesting and intriguing, but. You're never going to anticipate a game like that selling for $1,200 plus on eBay, you know, 20 plus years later. It's it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, this was before the idea of games going up in price was ever, like, even in <clears throat> my head, or like really in most people's heads. Like, the idea of a game ever costing more than its retail price just would have felt absolutely absurd. Yeah, it's just a foreign concept at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of in the spirit of, of game collecting, I've seen your game Room. You posted pictures on the Discord um, a couple months back, and it's it's incredibly impressive. Impressive. And so or similar to my, my earlier comment or question about, you know, your earliest memories playing video games and, you know, why you fell in love with them, I think people's motivations for collecting and how they collect are also wildly different. So I'm just curious, with prices going bananas on ebay nowadays how do you affordably collect games nowadays in a couple different ways one is i just slow down like i I can just buy less which when you look at like a picture of my game room and you think wow there's a lot of games there what like isn't obvious from the picture is that this is built up over i mean quite literally over the 27 years since I've been playing games since I was first five years old playing that Sega Genesis. Like I have never sold any of my games. I never traded any of my games in to get new games. Wow. I was always willing to wait to get the next system. So even if it meant that I wouldn't be able to get a new system right on launch, I would wait until a price drop or a, a birthday or something and I would get it that way. So I still have most of the original copies of games I had as a child. I don't have all the original boxes because it wasn't until probably in late N64 that I started really caring about keeping the boxes for stuff. Mm-hmm. But but I did always keep all my games. And so this is built up very slowly over time. And it's easy to feel very overwhelmed trying to collect all the things that you want to collect. But if you... If you kind of 
pace yourself and just decide what will really make you happy or what types of games you really will think are interesting. Even with prices going up, you can usually get what you want. Sure, some stuff is basically priced out of the market for anyone who is unwilling to spend a house payment on it, but yeah. most of the time, you know, games go up in price, but they don't they don't become unattainable. You take something like Mega Man Legends, which I know we both recently were picking up. Yep. That used to be twenty, thirty dollars. And now it probably goes fifty, sixty, maybe a little bit more. So obviously a lot more expensive, hard to stomach, but it's still, I think, worth it and a good experience at sixty. It's just you can only buy that one game rather than two, maybe. So and then the other thing I do a lot is I do a lot of garage sailing. And so I will find some of the games I'm looking for at garage sales. But at this point, since most of what I want is either import stuff or, you know, the harder to find games that I don't haven't been able to acquire yet, like RPGs or shooters and stuff, I'll get a decent amount of stuff that I can either then trade into local stores or trade with some people local to me here or sell off if uh, there's no one that wants it or it's not really tradable. So I kind of use that as a way to self-propel my yeah. hobby and my collection at the same time. It's awesome. So do you go garage selling just for games specifically? Or are you there for just looking to see what other people are selling? Uh, I mean, games is the primary thing that I'm looking for. And that's what I'll ask people about. Like, I'll go to a garage sale and I'll ask them, hey, you got any games that you want to sell or any games that you're looking to get rid of? But if there's other stuff too that I see that I know like either is something someone else locally might want. Like, you know, sometimes you can get lucky and find like uh, sports cards that you might be able to trade with a local reseller that might give you some games and stuff like that. Or stuff that I just know people are interested in, like Walkmans and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> then I, I might pick up some older retro stuff like that too and then use that to funnel back into the game collection. Very nice. So what would you say, have you found any like treasure trove stops at a game or a, uh, a garage sale where you walked up and said, hey, do you have any games? And someone said, oh yeah, I think I have an old Nintendo up in the attic and they come back with just like a box full of absolute gold or um, is it more just kind of like here and there you pick up a few gems every now and again? I definitely don't have any stories of getting stadium events for a quarter or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um but I mean, I've I've had some some pretty good finds actually. Uh, it's it's stuff like, uh, you know, I went up to this old couple's house, and they were selling a bunch of PS2 games, and I asked them if they had any more, and they said, "Oh yeah, we have another box we'll bring out." And so they bring out this other box, and it has like all three of the Shadow Hearts games. It has wow. Xenosaga one, two, and three. It has just like a, a bunch of, obviously they had a child that was really into RPGs that is no longer around and, and keeping these games. And so they were offloading their, basically their entire RPG collection. And I got stuff like that. And there's just like a handful of similar stories where it's just like, wow, this is a lot of really solid titles. Very neat. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the same track with you where I've never been. Now granted, I don't go garage selling very often. I kind of went more frequently when I was in high school following the, you know, the Pete Doors and Happy Console Gamers, when the YouTube gaming community was very thriving and that collecting mentality was very top of mind. Um, but yeah, I never really found any, like, certainly never stadium events for a quarter or anything like that. Um, but I think, you know, when you are consistent, just 
even going to a place where saying, do you have video games? And they say, yeah, I do. I'll be right back. And they bring out just, even if it's a box of, you know, Grand Theft Auto, the Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter series, it's just finding something just gives you kind of that dopamine release of like, yes, you know, like I, I found video games at a garage sale. It's just when it happens organically like that, it's so much more fun than, at least for me personally, than even sniping someone on eBay because at least when you're going to garage sales, you can kind of sift through someone else's stuff and it's just like you're going through these boxes and maybe under a pile of old Christmas lights you find a couple PS1 games, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's an awesome feeling. And my my like best piece of advice and the reason that I like garage sailing so much is, yeah, I find stuff, but I don't make looking for the stuff I pick up my primary motivation for going because mm-hmm. it's it's so inconsistent. Like, most of the time you go out, you just really aren't going to find anything. And then it's really easy to feel like you just, you know, wasted an entire Saturday morning trying to, to find stuff. And especially if you're someone like me who works during the week, so you can't garage sale until Saturday. Yeah. When most other people, you know, the local resellers and stuff in the area, that's their main job. So they can go out on Thursday and Friday. So they've probably cleaned out a lot of what you would find anyways. Mm-hmm. But I think of garage sailing as an opportunity to just like unwind and ease into my Saturday. Like the part I look forward to most is, you know, going, picking up the iced Americano from caribou, Mm. turning on a podcast in my car, rolling the windows down and just like, just enjoy the process of driving around and listening to a good podcast and then let anything, any garage sales you stop at or any things that you might find be the cherry on top of that. And then it, it makes it a much more enjoyable experience. Yeah, that's just icing at that point. But yeah, I mean, this is this is prime garage sailing weather, right? The window's down, you got the nice cool breeze of the autumn, fall weather. Yeah, switching to pumpkin spice, mm. you know. It's good stuff. I have indeed switched to the pumpkin spice. I'm so jealous that you guys have caribou coffees. They are no longer in uh, the Ohio, I guess, location. But it sounds like they may have been founded in in your state and city i don't want to give away where you live if, if you're not comfortable but um I'm, I'm just uber jealous that you guys still have caribou coffees yeah i'm in the twin cities uh and and they are they're locally based here not out of the twin cities they're out of one of the surrounding suburbs but yeah are, we're we are rotten with caribous all over the place which is good because i prefer caribou over starbucks yeah no i i agree um I mean, I've had Starbucks for so many years now with, without caribou, so I've kind of gotten accustomed to it, but I definitely miss the, the smell of walking to a caribou. It's definitely, um, it surpasses the, the smells of, of the Starbucks's, that's for sure. But um, one other question I have for you, because I think it's just, I, I know the, the consoles that I'm consistently collecting for, the consoles that I find the most joy collecting for, just because I think the library is just so robust, which is primarily... Uh, PS1 and PS2 and mostly N64 platformers that I'm still trying to fill any gaps in my collection. But I'm just curious, is there a console for you that just no matter how many games, excuse me, no matter how many games you get for it, you just never grow tired of collecting games for the console? Um, Honestly, probably most of mine. The first one that comes to my mind would also be ps2 because the library is just so vast Mm -hmm. and so many different genres are represented so well and there's so many like uh, to use a copyrighted term i suppose there's so many hidden gems on Mm -hmm. that console Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't realize are fun games you know licensed stuff or um just games that look weird and 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 you 
would have no idea how they play until you pick them up and try them out. And so I, I, that's probably my biggest collection is PS2. And it's probably the one that I'm most excited to like sift through the game store and see, Hey, is there anything that's going to surprise me on this? Yeah. But really I'm pretty, I, I shouldn't say I'm actively collecting for every console I have, but there are games I want on every console that I have. So it's, I just kind of go by, you know, what do I come across? What can I find that is something I'm interested in and is at a reasonable price? And I go from there. Now, do you catalog or have like a spreadsheet of your wish list? I know you, you categorize or you have your catalog of video games um, on backloggery, but do you make use of the wish list feature there? Or do you have a separate spreadsheet for that that you keep track of stuff? I use the wish list feature there. So okay. I have a wish list on backloggery that's like 900 games strong. Wow. it's a huge list and then if i'm gonna go to like a a local convention like we have one nearby here that you know before the world <clears throat> turned into its current state i would go to every year called midwest gaming classic mm-hmm. and when i go there i'll usually build like a smaller more concise wish list of the stuff i really want to find but even if i just have my backlog wish list that works well because on that wish list i still rank them like using the star rating system one to five stars i'll rank them how how much i want that game in relation to other games on the wish list so i can still look up what are my four and five star wants that's awesome yeah i um you actually reminded me when you posted on twitter a couple weeks back uh that you celebrated your 12 year backloggery anniversary and i'm like holy smokes like i totally forgot that i used backloggery religiously i mean literally when i would beat a level in a game or i'd sign off on mass effect 2 on the 360 like okay time to go update backloggery you know like that was the next move um and then i guess when i got to college i just kind of got out of the habit of doing that Uh, but i went back and i'm like everything's still there and i celebrated recently my 10 year backloggery anniversary on july 1st i'm like i really need to get back into the habit of updating this because currently my collection sits at like i don't know what it is 143 which is not a real reflection of uh, the games I have in my collection right now. So I think when Lauren and I move to, um, if everything does work out according to plan for this house that we're currently trying to, we're in contract with, and we get everything settled in, I would love to uh, just take the time to put on some good tunes and uh, update the backloggery account. Yeah, definitely. Cataloging the collection is actually a very relaxing activity. So... Like you said, put on some music, get something good to drink, and especially if the two of you can do it together, mm. it's it's very enjoyable. Sprite, my partner, and I have done the same thing many times where we will go through, and it's like one person is by the games, one person's on the site, and you're just like, read one off, go, read one off, go. And doing the same thing in reverse to like make sure that you didn't forget to add anything over time. Yeah. Like essentially <clears throat> double-checking your work has also been a very relaxing activity. Now, not to get too personal, but I am kind of curious. I know Sprite is a, uh, a fellow gamer herself. She loves to play video games. When you guys met, was it something that you that you guys really hit it off because you had a mutual love of video games? Or was it something that she kind of picked up after she met you? I guess, what's Sprite's history with video games? She, I mean, she was a fan of games, but that wasn't any of the reason that we ended up hitting it off or starting to date. She, I would say that she had like a latent hidden secret power of loving games that had <laughs> okay. not been activated yet in her life. Yeah. And then meeting me and getting to live in my obsessive world where I am thinking about games all the time, it like really 
opened that for her. And so early in our relationship, there was a lot of like me buying her like a DS and the Professor Layton games mm. or a PS2 and the DDR games or introducing her to stuff like, uh, gosh, I don't know, platformers, RPGs that I love, like Chrono Trigger, stuff like that. And so she got really into games from that point forward, but she always liked them. Mm-hmm. The way that she describes it is like she never, she wasn't aware of kind of the the scope of gaming until she had met me so it's like you think of someone that you know they go to the movie theater every so often and just kind of see whatever the hit blockbuster movie is and they don't think about film beyond that but there's tons of other movies coming out from independent studios and things that go like that skip theaters and go straight to dvd or straight to blu-ray or whatever and or straight to streaming services there's there's a much deeper pool to explore and it was the same way for games where she she saw the stuff that bubbled to the surface, but wasn't aware of like just how many different types of games there are, how quirky they could be, stuff like that. I love that. No, I think that's very similar to Lauren and I's relationship, and even like Ryan and I, because I feel like, you know, Lauren, when when her and I met, and we actually interviewed, uh, or I interviewed her as part of the Delta Sigma Pi professional business fraternity that we were part of in college. Um, she asked, you know, the things that I was interested, in, and I told her like. Uh, exercise and fitness. I'm really into video games and stuff like that. And she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in, I'm into video games too." And I was like, "It's it's always one of those questions, certainly in college, when I would tell people I'm into video games, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I am too, man." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, like what kind of video games do you like?" And they're like, "Well, man, I'm really into FIFA. I love Assassin's Creed, and uh, Halo and Gears is so good." And I was just like, "Okay." You know, I, it wasn't like you know a conversation could really be started, and we would just lose ourselves in like. Oh my gosh, you love the Warriors on the PS2 and Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb? Like, I'd clear a room pretty quick if I started talking about those types of games. But it was similar to that where Lauren and I were talking. She was like, yeah, I'm really, um, my brother got me into video games growing up. And uh, recently I've been really into Destiny and Skyrim and Gears of War and, you know, those types of games. But at first, obviously, it kind of like sparked my interest. And I was like, oh, wow, that's fascinating to me. I never... um, would have pitched you for playing video games. Not that females don't play video games. I'm not getting into that conversation, but I just, I wouldn't have pitched her for someone playing destiny and Skyrim, you know, little Lauren. And, uh, but it did open kind of the floodgates where for one of her birthdays, I got her a a new 3ds XL and animal crossing new leaf and, uh, you know, Kirby triple deluxe or whatever. You got Um, her into JRPGs. I think that's, you opened me up to as well. Oh yeah, and it, it's been so cool to see. You know, the past couple of years, you fall in love with the Kingdom Hearts games. Lauren exploding my brain, putting over eighty hours into Dragon Quest Eleven, and her Nino Kuni's and all of that. And Nino Kuni too, and her running out and saying like, "Rusty, look at this new boss that I just beat," or what? I, it's just warms my heart to see that. You know, yeah. you guys enjoying those games. And to your point, I think you put it perfectly. Blank is just talking about how a lot of people. They just don't know that these games exist, just like people that go to the movies and just see the biggest um, and latest Marvel movie or Mission Impossible film or the Jawses of the world. They don't know that these little indie films exist, you know, and or these little hidden gem video games exist. And it's it's fun to kind of open that world for other people. It is, and it's it's like a never-ending rabbit hole you can go down, right? Like, 
there is never going to be a time or a person who understands the entire scope of gaming all the way from like the lowest single developer indie to the triple a so it's like help someone expand their horizons and then they'll find stuff and they'll bring it back to you and everyone can just share and enjoy games together video games are awesome (laughs) so true well i don't want to derail too far because i want to bring us back to something because i do have a video queued up that I had to find an excuse to bring into this podcast, okay? So in the spirit of collecting and the spirit of wanting us to collect games in the mintiest of freshest conditions, okay, I have to share what's quite possibly the best video on the interwebs, okay? So context. A couple weeks back, Pete has Pete Dorr. If you're not familiar with him, you absolutely should be following him on Twitch. He was uh, he started kind of this new series on his Twitch streams, going back, reminiscing, watching old commercials about video games or serials, just to kind of get the nostalgic juices flowing, okay? And Blink, I guess just a quick question. Do you know the video behind the Gem Mint 10? Oh, that there is a video, and I have the emote, and I watched part of that stream, but I did not watch or hear the actual video that spawned the, the joke. Excellent. I'm so excited that you don't, you, this is going to be fresh for both you and Ryan. Okay. So again, getting back to the context here. So Pete stumbled upon this video. I don't remember if someone suggested he watch it or if it was something that he clicked on one video and he got like, because you watched this, watch that. Okay. So to kind of frame it up back in the day, you know, there were those, and maybe there currently still are these types of shows in you know daytime television or nighttime tv i don't have cable anymore so i don't know but you know there were those marketing commercials where they'd be talking about the hottest latest and greatest product toy the chia pets sham wows and snuggies of the world and they say you know tune in now buy now and you can get not one but two of these things and trust us we have limited quantities of this item right so Pete stumbled upon this video about Pokemon cards, okay? This takes us back to circa 1999, all right? So put yourselves in the shoes of someone in 1999. I would have been six years old playing my teal Game Boy Color version of Pokemon Red. This is when Pokemon was booming, right? Everyone wanted Pokemon cards. Everyone wanted to go see the movie, watch the television show, and trade cards with their friends. This video has a lady kind of hosting, facilitating the conversation, and it's called Shop at Home. I don't remember this thing. Apparently, this was a thing. And she has this marketing agent type guy coming on to talk about PSA-graded Pokemon cards. Now, the, the video is 28 minutes long. We're not going to listen all 28 minutes, but we are going to listen to an extended clip about 4 minutes and 45 seconds. I listened to it last night. And I feel like the real gold is in the very beginning, but it gets better if you want to listen to the whole thing, okay? So if you want to find the whole video at YouTube, just type in Pokemon cards on shop at home, 1999 in parentheses, okay? Everyone ready? Blink, you ready? You got your, your coffee? You ready for this? Oh. All right, let's do it. Hi, I'm Betty Lee. Oh, and preface by saying... The audio is going to suck and sound crackly because it's from 1999. It's not my audio doing that. So just, you've been warned. Hi, I'm Betty 
Haley, welcome back to Shop at Home. Also, welcome back to the only place on the globe to get the most collectible thing on the globe. And that is Pokemon PSA graded cards. I've got Ken Golden on the phone. He is the maven, I can say. He is the man that can tell us more about graded cards, about uh, sports cards. He's been doing it for 22 years. This is a new phenomena. Kenny, are you there? Yes, I am, Betty. Thank well, you. Kenny, what we've got now, I don't even know how to begin. This is the granddaddy of it all. Look at it. We have got the Neo Promo PSA Gem Men set. We have got a set that nobody can get in the United States, and we've got it graded. And in fact, um, just to make sure people don't have a misunderstanding, if we can take out the word promo and call it the Neo PSA 10, Gemmin set because I want you know some people have a different understanding. I want to make sure everybody understands right. what they're about to see. People, there are 25 of these that exist in the world. Wait today. a minute, these are all Gemmin 10? All nine oh cards oh. are Gemmin. This could be a $20,000 item, and here's why every single solitary card is a gem mint. <laughs> Let me repeat this. Wow. You are getting a complete set of Pokemon cards where every single solitary card is a PSA Gem Mint 10. Again, let's call it Neo PSA 10 Gem Mint 10. We're changing it. This is people. I'm going to tell you something right now. <clears throat> And I know this isn't for everybody. I want to tell you that for those of you just tuning in, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. Okay? However, if you can't afford it, hang with us. We've got $99 items coming up. We've got a $299 deal after this that is going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. But I need to tell everybody something right now. For, if you watch TV for just the one chance of finding something you will never see in your life, oh. I need to tell you something right now, people. This set... There are, there are 100 million Pokemon collectors in the world. 25 of them can own this item. That's it. This item. Do you know how many exist in the country of Japan today, Betty? How many? Zero. Do you know how many exist in the United States outside of these 25? Nowhere. Zero. I have got a confirmation from PSA that these are the only complete gem mintet sets that exist. What that means is that you are getting Kikolita in a gem mint 10 perfect. Yes, you've seen that card at $400 a card. By itself a gem mint 10, it's in the deal. You are getting Barefu in gem mint 10 in the deal. Yes, you've seen that at $400 by itself. It is in the deal in gem mint 10. You are getting Mega Numi in Gem Mint 10. You are getting Magum Rashi in Gem Mint 10. You are getting Bakufun in Gem Mint 10. You are getting Odero. Now, for those of you who go to internet auction sites, be it, I don't want to mention brand names, be it four-letter words, five-letter words, nine-letter words, whatever site you accompany in, in the, on the internet, you have seen the Odero in Gem Mint 10. 21 sets left, I just want to tell you. $1,600 a card. We are guaranteeing you a Gem Mint 10 Odero. We are guaranteeing you a Gem Mint 10 Wanyanoko. We are guaranteeing you a Gem Mint 10 Hinorashu. We are guaranteeing you a Gem Mint 10 Alligates. To put this in perspective, I recently saw a Happy Birthday Pikachu get sold. Get sold in a Gem Mint 10 for $4,500. Let me tell you something. There are 10... Happy birthday, Pikachu's, and Gem Mint 10 to everyone in these sets. And I need to explain this. 
This is something that has never been seen before in national television. Scrap that! This is something that is not available anywhere else in the world. Honestly, I honestly believe that the first person who receives their set at home should go up on the auction site, put it up with a $5,000 minimum bid. I think this is an excellent chance to get $10,000 for the set. Do you realize, Betty, that in the world of Pokemon, this is the rarest commodity that exists? Do you realize, Betty, that in the world of Pokemon, nobody else in the world has this item? No one else in the world has this item potentially selling for $10,000, people. Um, I'm sorry to break it to Ken and Betty, but this is actually going for about $30 on eBay now. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) Three payments of $333. Yeah. Holy shit. No interest. I feel like I was being sold like buffalo nickels or like the... uh, All those coin sales. Yeah. Like it's 100% gold. If you buy it now for like three installments of fifty nine ninety five, I just love how intense he was. He was so like yelling at Betty. <laughs> Poor like Betty. what did Betty do to him? Like yelling <laughs> about freaking chikoritas. <laughs> or like some of those Pokemon names. I'm like, are those even Pokemon? Yeah, he's like Gem Minton Megalodonimon. Yeah, Gem Minton. We're selling a Velociraptor. <laughs> like what? Uh, but now you know the history. Be like Betty. Uh, happy birthday, Pikachu! <laughs> <laughs> uh, cracking because he's screaming at the absolute apex of his like range. Oh my god! Well, it was funny because I was on Pete's stream after that. That because I missed the stream where he was watching that that whole video. And by the way, Ken continues to go on for twenty four more minutes in that video talking about these cards. Yeah, I definitely pulled up this video. Um, later. But Pete has now when you give like 100 bits or 200 bits or whatever, he's recorded snippets of that audio. And so those are the bit alert notifications. That's awesome. And so I'm like, what? Who is this guy screaming about Gem Min 10s? <laughs> and of course, Pete brought back the Gem Min 10 emote. And I was like, I have to figure out what the heck he's talking about. So I went back to watch Pete's stream and Pete's reaction is priceless. Because Pete... He's kind of a stoic dude. He doesn't lose his his shit very often in terms of like laughing hysterically or being super emotional on stream. We love Pete for that. But I also love watching Pete just laugh hysterically and react to things like this. And he laughs so hard he's on the point of and on the verge of crying during this video. It's amazing. It's probably a video that I'm going to have to archive personally on my own computer and save it down just because it's it's just classic. It's so good. Yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, hopefully everyone got a kick out of the Gem Mint 10 guy. Dude, Pokemon cards. That's Holy incredible. crap. <laughs> yeah. You can't make well, this up. At first, I thought it, you were going to... Because we had this old video, and this is what I thought you were leading up to, was there? we have this VHS tape of, I think it's kids teaching their parents how to play Pokemon cards. Mm. And it was actually like a how to play Pokemon, but it's these like... 1990s kids teaching their parents and their parents are just making fools out of themselves mm-hmm. and that's what i thought you were going to lead into but this is this is way better yeah no <laughs> it's you can't make it up it's mind-boggling but yeah i'll definitely be watching this later yeah no 24 minutes more of that uh i definitely encourage everyone to go 
look it up. It's if you're looking for a good laugh, you'll definitely get it watching that. So I can buy all of these non first edition Gemmin tens for thirty bucks. Yeah, go on eBay. You can find that stuff for super cheap. But I mean, there are PSA graded Pokemon cards that go for significant amounts of money, but nowhere near like three payments of three ninety nine or whatever the heck. Yeah, holy get God. out of here with that. Well, that was a great one-hour introduction to our friend Blink. Lots of great discussion. I hope everyone tuning in knows a little bit more about Blink. He's awesome. But we have more awesome discussion planned with Mr. Blinkoom. And uh, the next item on the agenda is some recent video game news, Ryan. Yes. And Blink. I think something that has been rumored for months now that Nintendo fans have just been itching to see if it's actually true and what it actually entails, but... I think it was maybe Monday or Tuesday. Honestly, I can't remember what day of the week it was. Uh, but our, our good friend Frantic, Josh, he was blowing up the Discord with um, tweets of people around the industry that clearly had some information that this Nintendo Mario Direct, or however they pitched it, was going to go live that morning. So this kind of comes at the point of Mario's 35th anniversary. This was the year ringing in 35 years of wonderful delightful mario games and uh this was like about an 18 minute mario direct i remember kind of pressing pause on my work day watching this pre-recorded video which by the way can we just talk about and applaud i just love the idea of these pre-recorded things that nintendo sony microsoft whoever ends up putting together where it's just like hey we're just going to drop this randomly 18 15 20 minutes of goodness just digest it and uh, anticipate these hot games coming to your uh, your store soon. I just love the idea of that. But anyways, I don't know. I was watching this video and part of me was like, because they kind of save subjectively the best for last. I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. That's cool. That's neat. Um, but let's just dissect it. Let's get right into it. So one of the first things they announced was a deluxe version of the Wii U platformer Super Mario 3D World, and it's officially titled Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which is going to arrive on the Nintendo Switch February 12th of next year. This is great news for me because I, like many people, did not own the Wii U. Um, there was just not enough there to really incentivize buying into it. Uh, I was also at a point like transitionally with my life where I was wrapping up college, Lauren and I getting married, working a really difficult job. I wasn't playing a ton of video games at the time, so the Wii U just didn't make a whole lot of sense financially or even just personally. Um, but this is one of the games that I really wanted to play, and I remember playing it at a friend's house and just had that heck of a good time. Um, I was a huge fan of Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS, um, and I felt like this was kind of the natural next step for the Mario 3D platforming series. Um, so this is good news. Blink, were you a fan of Mario 3D World? Or did you play this to completion on the Wii U? I did, yeah. it's, it's. Uh, I think this game is very underrated, actually. A lot of people, I feel like, slept on it because it wasn't a full open-world 3D Mario game. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you take it on the merits of what it is for itself... It's super, super fun. And because it was basically quarantined on the Wii U, it wasn't played by nearly as many people as it should have been. So I think it's a good idea to bring it to Switch. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And what I love about both 3D Land and 3D World 
is kind of almost the jazzy renditions of traditional Mario games. Um, just the musically, I think, is really impressive and certainly a standout um, in the long-running series of Mario 3D and 2D games. So I'm looking forward to playing that on the Switch next year. That should be really good times. Ryan, are you excited for this? Yeah. Um, I don't really have much experience with it at all. So really more Mario, more platformers. Did you play the Wii U much at all? I didn't own one, no. Yeah. Um, I didn't really own many Wii games either, so... We gotta yeah. change that. We yeah. gotta get you into like more video game collecting, my friend. Well, I mean, this is gonna be my first opportunity later in this discussion to play Galaxy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which you think is Ooh. the best. Yes, we'll get into that. Don't even worry about it. But this next thing I think is really interesting. Um, something I never would have anticipated or expected from Nintendo to do with Mario, but I think it's amazing. A competitive multiplayer version of Super Mario Bros., which seems to take inspiration from Tetris 99, and it's arriving on October 1st. Um, now, this is something that I might need either of yours help, your helps. Helps is is? What's the plural of help? I don't know. Help um, Sai. Help Sai. Thank you, Blank. Um, it sounds like this is only going to be playable until March 31st, 2021. Is that true? Yeah. It, it, and that's like, that's true of, I think, one or two other things that they announced later, too. They seem to be like time gating this 35th anniversary celebration between September of this year and March of 2021. Yeah, and I think if we're going to get into any kind of critiquing or criticism, and again, this is just me party of one here, that's the biggest head-scratcher coming away from this Mario Direct, is understanding why. Like People were joking on Twitter saying, like, I hope Nintendo can renew the license for Mario so that these games can be extended past the March 31st window. (laughs) You know, it's it's just such a strange... I don't know, it's it's very silly. I I don't really get it, but... um, in any case, it's something I will be downloading and playing. I think it's, again, I never played Tetris 99. I certainly saw the appeal. Um, I think the Mario Brothers kind of take on it is something that's more up my alley than the Tetris 99. Yeah. yeah, me too. I mean, I could see them time-gating the specific 35-year anniversary versions of the games because, like, this is the 35-year anniversary and then taking, making another, like, so you have the 3D which has the three games, mm-hmm. you can make a non-35th anniversary version so you could still buy them. Like yeah. a different print of the same thing. Yeah. I could see that being what they should do. But yeah, the full time gate of everything just makes no sense. Well, especially if something like this really takes off and people just fall in absolute love with it yeah. uh, and it's a major hit and then what? It just disappears from your console at some point? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, definitely strange. And uh, on the same train of thought of strange, but equally cool, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Uh, Something that on paper, I think, sounds like a blast, but practically speaking, certainly in a one-bedroom apartment where it's already a disaster in here with as much stuff we have packed into this little place. Um, But I think certainly in a home, or if you have the space for something like Connect or PSVR or something like this, sounds really neat i don't know blink what are your thoughts on this this mario kart live type thing this one might be the one that i'm most excited for that came out of this really anniversary direct one because obviously it'll all depend on the execution and how well 
like it syncs between the camera on the carts and the gamepad. But one, I thankfully I have enough room where I could set up a pretty cool track. But what I'm really thinking about is I have three, two nephews and a niece that mm. are 10 and 9 years old that are just like, they're really into Mario Maker. They're really into Smash Bros. And this is going to be perfect for them. Like when I go up and visit my sister it's it and and spend some time with the kids that this is all they're going to want to play with me and they live up north they live in the iron range so there's like a lot of open space actually my brother-in-law is really into uh rc racing like uh, modding and tinkering with rc cars and racing them on rc tracks and so we would even theoretically be able to go rent time or space from an actual RC track and set up these Mario Kart things and race them in there. And there's just like, there's, if I was 10 years old, I would be losing my mind. And I guarantee that other 10 year olds are going to be losing their mind right now. So I'm pumped because it means I'll have something really cool to play with my nephews and my niece. Uncle Blink. You're going to be the coolest uncle this side of forever. That's, that's really neat. And honestly, that's kind of what I was getting into or when I had, when I saw this and was thinking about it, because I loved RC cars growing up, even though it took seven and a half days to charge the battery for three, you know, 30 minutes of actual use of the whole, the stupid thing. But I think kids is where this thing is really going to shine. Um, again, getting back to execution and, and how it's actually going to work and how successful it'll be remains to be seen. But I think there's certainly a ton of potential here. Yeah, I just this is like the progression of where like Hot Wheels for us, yeah, like with those little orange tracks that we would build yeah. everywhere. Um, this is definitely a more technology based version of that. Yeah, I would have loved this as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's really sweet. Um, I, I wonder if you're going to be able to upload. I don't know if they mentioned um, upload your tracks online so people could play through your track, kind of recreate it somehow. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work if they're just going to have uh, pre-established like a an inventory of five to six already existing tracks or if you can, I think part of the fun of it is kind of constructing your own yeah, tracks, yeah. right? But like yeah. you could upload or yeah, similar to like Mario Maker, like you upload something you've made or like you establish this and it just transfers somehow. That'd be similar sweet. Similar like on Tony Hawk where you can make your own skate park mm-hmm. and then upload it. That would be cool. Yeah. No, I love it. I think this is good stuff. Um, I, I guess I would just hope it has more staying power. And again, this is me speaking out of sight, out of mind. But I don't think Labo really stuck, did it? I have no idea. Is anyone using Nintendo Labo anymore? What is Labo? Maybe my point was just... <laughs> I've never even heard I never, of it. Yeah, I never bought it. Yeah, so I, I don't know if that was more... I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I hope it sticks. I think something like Mario Kart will certainly have more staying power than um, Nintendo Lab. But we'll see. I think it's awesome. Really neat idea. Uh, The next thing I have here, Super Mario All-Stars Pack. So the OG All-Stars released back on the Super Nintendo. Shadow Drop, available now to play on the Nintendo Switch online service. So this is going to give you the original Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, Mario Bros. 2, and Super Mario Bros. 3, all playable right, right, right now, right away. Uh, which I think is great. Yeah. I, gaming sin, have never beaten the original Mario Brothers. Really? Have you beaten the original yes. Mario Brothers? Yeah. I don't believe it. That was you. like the first video game I ever played at my grandma's. Have you beaten the original Mario Brothers, Blink? Uh, I have, but I don't want to say that to make you feel bad. 
Now I feel horrible. Only cool people have not beaten Mario. <laughs> yeah, there's a one-to-one relationship between cool factor and Mario completion. That's true. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm just going to leave you and uh, Ryan here with the conversation. Blink. Yeah, so Blink, how did you feel? Didn't you feel really accomplished and like such a better person when you completed Mario for the first time? <laughs> I would describe it as the best feeling of my life. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. You, you know like, that moment where you just realize you're one of the good ones? Oh, it, was, wow. it was like that. It was kind of like an ascension, you know? Yeah, exactly. Almost almost becoming like a demigod. Yeah, and you can look down on the normal people who don't... Peasants, as we would say. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The serfs. Well, I certainly feel out of the loop here, but uh, hopefully I can correct that. Maybe on a stream in the future, just as I completed Donkey Kong Country and hopefully DKC 2 and 3, uh, once those get uploaded to the Switch Online service, um, I'll complete Mario Brothers 1 for everyone to see. Nice, and then you can you can feel that. Yeah, I can feel that emotion. sense of accomplishment yeah. and the pain along the way. That'll be good times for sure. Um, I could be missing something, but... The next item on my list is kind of how they... Well, because I think there was li- like five minutes of a bunch of merch that they were showing. Sounds like there's some Mario Brothers themed furniture coming to Animal Crossing, which I think is really cool yeah. to kind of commemorate the 35th anniversary. Um, but outside of that, I don't have anything other than what they capped the direct with. Blink, am I missing anything? Uh, nothing that stuck out to me, no. Okay, okay. So then the final thing, which is kind of, again, what was rumored for months, what everyone was kind of waiting for, we saw Super Mario 64, the home screen where you can kind of tinker with Mario's face. So at this point, I was kind of thinking like, oh, they're going to do this weird thing where Mario comes out of the pipe, you see the castle, and they're going to have a side-by-side comparison of the OG graphics versus what it looks like now with the polished up Super Mario Odyssey engine. I was actually kind of happy that it just retained its original look. Then they went right into Super Mario Sunshine and eventually with Galaxy and they're titling it Super or Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which is arriving in less than two weeks on September 18th. Honestly, I am stoked. I think you're getting the three best Mario 3D games ever created on one singular solitary Switch card, as Ken would say on the PSA 10, Gem Mint 10 uh, video. And I don't know, I think there's something incredibly charming about the original graphics of particularly uh, Mario 64 and Sunshine. I think Delfino Plaza already looked beautiful. Mario Galaxy especially, I don't think ever really needed an up-res because that game just was stunning on the Wii. And I'm sure it'll look similarly just as good on the Switch. Uh, I don't know, Blink. Wh- what are your thoughts about these not being the Super HD-ified Mario Odyssey Engine Mario 3D games? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Because, one, I mean, they are getting a little bit of a facelift. Like, not a lot, but I think, like, Sunshine is getting moved to widescreen and they're all going to be a little bit up But... If you just think of it as $20 for each of these games, like $20 to buy Mario 64 or Sunshine by itself would seem like a pretty solid deal if it was up-resed and could be played portably and stuff like that. So just the opportunity to play all three of these in one package, I'm pumped. And I don't want to let 
Nintendo off the hook and say that they couldn't have done more because they probably could have. But yeah. for me and what I want, um, it's totally fine. And I know I keep going back to like younger kids here, but I think again back to my nephews. Imagine being ten years old and getting all three of these games. Oh my gosh! In one cart, like I, I, I can't fathom the amount of joy that would bring me. So it's. I think it's going to be a slam dunk for him, honestly. I agree a thousand percent. Um, and even too, to your point about being 20 bucks a pop here, uh, Mario Galaxy, I don't think that's really gone up in price. But Mario Sunshine in every game on the GameCube, if you want a decent condition copy of Super Mario Sunshine, you're looking at putting out 90 plus dollars right now. So to get that for $20 and then, oh, by the way, uh, an extra 40 is going to net you Mario 64 and Super Mario Galaxy as well. <clears throat> that's just a st- an absolute steal, in my opinion. Uh, Ryan, wh- wh- where are you at with this collection? No, I would have honestly paid 60 bucks just to buy Sunshine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, getting 64 or uh, Mario 64 and Galaxy are just kind of bonus at this point. I've been watching... Since this came out, speed runs of sunshine and God, that game looks beautiful. <laughs> because for you, so you know, it, it does look so good. And I think for you, Ryan, like for me, I'm more nostalgic for Mario 64. I remember yeah. going into a place called Trading Zone and uh, a strip mall that now is pretty much debunked. But I remember going in and seeing these kids playing Super Mario Sunshine on a kiosk. It was like a demo disc before the game even released, and my mind was just. <laughs> completely blown because at this point I'm still playing Yoshi's Story Diddy Kong Racing and Perfect Dark with my buddies and Mario 64 as well but seeing that game on a kiosk was just stunning blew my little brain out of the water Um, but again I'm more nostalgic for Mario 64 and you're more nostalgic for for Sunshine yeah. so for you this this is a big deal yeah I, I played 64 a bit I think that was one of the few games that we had on the N64 but Sunshine there was something about the environment and just that water looks so beautiful mm-hmm. it was one of the first i mean that and like the water in melee it was just the graphical jump um from mario 64 was just amazing blew my kid mind yeah out of the water yeah no doubt yeah. uh but perhaps the more important thing is your first opportunity to play super mario yes. galaxy yeah i'm really excited you've talked that up for fuck the entire series of this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to play it. I'll probably... I don't know which one I'll start with. Um, probably 64, mm-hmm. um, just to get that nostalgia going. But, hell, if I want sunshine, like, now. Yeah, well, I mean, it, Galaxy for me is kind of like your Breath of the Wild or Horizon in terms of talking something up and just like being like, Rusty, when are you going to play this damn game? Yeah. You know, play God of War, play Breath of the Wild, and it's like... I've played a number of the games you wanted me to play at this point, but now you have to play Galaxy because, not to spoil anything, but in my top 20 games of last generation, and when I say last generation, I'm talking specifically about the 360 Wii and PS3, the video I uploaded on YouTube many moons ago, um, Galaxy is way up there. Galaxy is way up there. So what do you recommend for me to play first? I'm not going to tell you what to play. I mean, dude... You love sunshine, hop into sunshine. Yeah. You want to get the nostalgic juices flowing I'm for 64. I'm probably going to play them all. I mean, I've, I've been kind of in a rut. Work's been busy, but trying to figure out what I actually want to play. Um, and I think this is coming at a perfect time. Similar to like Animal Crossing. Yeah. Nintendo's just been like, he, 
I don't know if Nintendo was a person, he would be giving me a back rub or mm. a back massage right now. I'd be like, hey, 2020 sucks, but you got it, bro. If Nintendo was a color, it'd be purple. Uh, I, I definitely say it'd be red. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because of Mario. I'm looking at Mario's hat right now, but yeah. Um, well, again, I don't think we can come away from this conversation without a little criticism or speculation. Um, but the interwebs were certainly up in arms. One about the polish of these games. Again, not a problem for me. The other thing was the the controls for Galaxy specifically. So it seems like Galaxy will, in some capacity, require motion controls. I don't know enough about this. I just pulled some information from Polygon that can hopefully... Um, educate us on the topic a little bit so this is directly from polygon it says they reached out to nintendo for clarification about the extent of required motion controls in super mario galaxy uh, for the super mario 3d all-stars collection and received the following statement super mario galaxy is supported in tv tabletop and handheld modes in tv and tabletop modes motion controls are required for pointer pointer functionality in handheld mode Pointer functionality, pointer functionality has been adapted to use the touchscreen. Uh, they also confirmed that the the All Stars Collection supports the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. Um, so I'm not sure how much clarity I get from yeah. that. Um, I think at the very least, it sounds like it is going to require some type of motion control. But I don't know where are you at with this blank? Do you have a do you have beef with Nintendo for requiring motion controls for Galaxy? Kind of, I guess. Most of my Switch playing is done on a Switch Lite, so I'm wondering mm. how that's going to work if I can't like detach a Joy-Con and move it around. I suppose they said in handheld it would be touchscreen, but I don't know if the game is really designed in a way where you can easily hold the system in one hand and touch the screen with your other one, so am I going to have to like be propping it against my knee or something like that. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see when it comes out if it becomes an issue. But I would ideally like it if I didn't have to use motion controls. Um, but I, I'm also aware that the game was designed with them in mind, so that might just be a concession that you have to make. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of break the immersion, I think, certainly from an, like a handheld game perspective. I mean, the 3DS, the DS, obviously that made use of the touchscreen functionality. But I don't know, if I'm playing something like Mario 64, Sunshine, and even Galaxy in this specific instance, I kind of want to just play with my Pro Controller on the, the big screen, or if Lauren and I are going on a road trip, <clears throat> play it in handheld mode without the the added uh, yeah. motion control yeah. stuff. But I'm I hoping that doesn't ruin my joy for this game, is having some jank motion controls. I don't think it will. I, I don't. It's not going to break the immersion so significantly where you're just like, this game's garbage. Because at the very least, you're going to if you can't appreciate the orchestral score, the graphical detail, the the gravitational pull of Mario when you hop off of a planet and then get sucked back to the center of it, mm-hmm. it's at the time and even still to this day, I think it's it's an incredible monumental 3D platforming achievement for the Mario series and in 3D platformers in general. It's just it's just a stunning game. <clears throat> so the original was on the Wii. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm I'm guessing it used a lot of motion controls. A little bit. I mean, you kind of like, uh, you did little jittery moves for Mario to kind of um, get shot out of these little stars, and then the little gems, which I forget what they're called, um, you'd point at the screen and kind of collect those and then shoot them out as well. Oh, okay. But, 
again, it was all part of, as, as Blink was saying, um, the game was built from the ground up with motion control in, in mind. So, I don't know. I don't want to stay in the topic too long. Again, we could also bring in the fact that where's Galaxy 2? Maybe it comes in the future. If not, hook up your Wii and play Galaxy 2. It's not like that game is the earthbounds of the Wii generation where it's going for $300 or something stupid like that. It's all relatively inexpensive games. I think already um, we can't get much more greedy with the three games we're getting, which I think is just a, a phenomenal package of Mario games. Yeah. So... Well, I think that's enough of Nintendo news. What I do want to pick your brain about, Blink, is uh, where you're at with Sony and Microsoft. Uh, The ongoing game of chicken of when they're going to talk about the release date, the price, the games we can expect at launch for the both of these consoles. I guess the first question is, which are you more interested in buying day one? I'm definitely more on board for the PlayStation 5. I'll ultimately get them both, but PS5 is going to be the first one I get, and the one that I get that I'm definitely getting on launch if I can somehow secure a pre-order. So, like in the the realm of like reasonableness, is there a certain price that you would love to pay, and a certain price where you'd kind of second guess purchasing something like this day one, or where are you kind of at with price? I would say my dream scenario would be because I'll, I'll get the physical disc drive version yep I, I would be very happy if it came out at 400 i'm kind of expecting it to be 500 but i've mentally prepared myself even though i'm not wild about it to go up to like 600 and if they went above that then just all bets are off you know they they, they have their own set of problems at that point yeah i, I don't see a scenario where they we have a PS3 price situation on our hands where they're asking seven, $800 for this thing because they have so many other little peripheral type things. They're not even peripherals, but added things that people are going to want the 3d audio headphones, a second controller. I don't know why you want a camera and all the other doodads they showcased during the, the PS5 conference. But I think at a bare minimum, a second controller and maybe the headphones you bundle all that together, you're looking at like $1,100 before you're even talking about games. So I think 500 for physical and 400 for the digital is where I'm kind of sticking to my anticipated price. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think that'll come with? It will just be one controller in the actual system? Or- oh yeah, just just standard fares they typically do. I think okay. 500 nets you the, the console itself, a controller... Um, maybe some package manuals if they're generous. Yeah, <laughs> maybe on the box that says includes Astro's Playroom. Oh heck yes, that well yeah that's pre-downloaded on all PS5 consoles, which I think is incredible because it's supposed to showcase the Dual Sense functionality of the new controller, the 3D audio really well. Um, I didn't have the benefit of or wasn't fortunate fortunate enough to have PSVR, but please blink. Are you excited for? this new Astrobot game because of what you, I'm assuming you've played the, uh, the first game. I love the first Astrobot. It is easily one of the top two, top three VR games for me. And I'm, I don't know what playroom is going to be. I'm sort of getting the sense that it's going to be like a little bit of maybe some tech demos for different functionality for the PlayStation five controller and, haptic feedback and triggers and stuff like that. But I'm just more, I'm excited for more Astrobot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be jealous for those that do get the PS five day one, because I think I'm more leaning towards a series X at this point, just because 
one, I wanted to get a One X just so that I could play my ever-increasing library of Xbox One games over there, uh, particularly Rare Replay. But I do want to eventually get the PS5, no doubt in my mind. I just This generation, they've won me over uh, with a lot of their single-player-focused uh, games, certainly, with the Spider-Mans, Horizons, God of Wars of the World. But I guess I'm curious, Blink, you know, outside of uh, Astro's Playroom, maybe I'll, I'll make this question multifaceted here. So, what's one game we've seen so far that you'd really prefer to have day one at launch? And then maybe another game that hasn't even been talked about, rumored, or in the pipeline that you would love for Sony to come out with day, either day one or kind of in the launch window? The the one that I absolutely want day one is Kina Bridge mm. of Spirits. Yes, that is that game is like crafted exactly to my taste. I love the look of it. It seems like it's going to be just a gorgeous experience. I'm very very pumped for that one, and it has a decent shot, I think, of being in the launch window. I don't know if they've announced the release date for it. I thought it was this year, like holiday. Yeah, I think everything's kind of just like, oh, it's coming out the holiday season, and then people are going to inevitably pivot. And say, never mind, we're going to push this to January, February, March timeframe. Um, but I think it's coming to the PS4 as well. So I would I would imagine it's going to make the holiday window. Yeah. But it remains to be seen. That's a game I, too, coming away from the PS5 conference, in terms of like what I was most excited to play, similar to you, Blink, I felt like Kana Bridge of Spirits just perfectly catered to my interests. Never really being a fan of Pikmin, not that I never played it, just conceptually wasn't something I was really into. But how they seem to have perfectly blended Pikmin mechanics with this 3D platforming exploration type world with the use of magic and melee combat almost to the tune of um, cameo elements of power, it just looks like the perfect video game. Big cameo vibes. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to play the Unreal Engine 5 demo. Well, that looked pretty neat. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think it's a game, but it looked amazing. It did look really sweet. Um, so not to catch you off guard, though, Blank, is there a game that maybe it's a long-forgotten dormant franchise from Sony that you would love to see on the console day one or launch window? There's a bunch of them. Um, I mean, one of the most obvious picks for me would be I'd love to see a Dark Cloud 3. Oh, my gosh. Like, just, just come out, drop the surprise. This game's been in development, but we haven't announced it at all. It's coming out, boom, holiday season. But there's a couple other franchises, too. I'd really like to get... There's a really good game called Rhyme on the PS4. It's on mm. other consoles, too. But it's sort of like this beautiful, colorful, open-world environment exploration-type game. Very very much in the vein of, like, eco. And I'd love to see a Rhyme 2 get announced. And it's by a small enough studio where you almost could believe that they would uh, announce it with a short timeline to launch. Um, but then, you know, give me an Eco 2 or give me the next game from Team Eco. I'd be mm. just as happy with that as well. You think Team Eco is ever going to make another game? And I don't say that because, you know, the possibilities are there's just no chance. But just given the last Guardian's development cycle and how that all played out... I, I just wonder if they're if they have they have to have other ideas certainly, but are are they going to execute on them? And th- this is me asking from ignorance because um, I'm not the biggest eco fan. I played it on the PS3, the HD collection. It didn't really click with me like it has for people like you and Pete. Um, I can certainly appreciate it, and I feel like if I played it when it first came out, I 
it probably would have jived with me a lot more and it very well could be one of my favorite games of all time and I still have The Last Guardian sealed on my my shelf there but um, I derailed the conversation what are your thoughts on Team Eco and the future of their game development? I think playing Eco when it first launched was was a big part of what I loved about it picking that game off the shelf at random in the early days of PS2 definitely shaped my taste in games but mm. I I do think we'll get either another Team Eco game or another Ueda game. I don't yeah. think we're going to get one for many, many years. I mean, if the if the development cycle for Last Guardian is any indication, it, we'd be lucky to get one in this decade. <laughs> yeah. But I I do think we'll we'll see something from that studio or from that director in the future. I would say more realistically, we'll probably see blue point or some other company do a remake of eco before mm. we'll get another new game from that studio which i'd also be obviously totally fine with but that's like when i say that is a, a pick for ps5 launch that's truly throwing away all the logical parts of my brain and only going operating on pure desire yeah no absolutely i wanted you to have fun with it so definitely i'm glad <clears> you <throat> you took a shot in the dark with something like that that's awesome um well, what about you, Ryan? Are you still thinking about getting the PS5 day one? Probably not day one. Um, I mean, until we know what the actual price points are, it's going to be hard to drop, um, what, half a grand on mm-hmm. the new system. I have tons of games that I need to play on PS4. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, Spider-Man, I definitely want to play eventually. The Miles Morales. I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, Horizon, kind of the boring AAA games. <laughs> well, they're not boring, but... but the white bread kind of answer games. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Kanan or Kana is probably the one that I want the most, though. Yeah. It's up my alley. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, I guess the natural next question, Blink, is <laughs> when the heck are they going to come and, and, and I guess have the courage to announce when these consoles are coming, uh, the price, and do you have any guesses as to who will do it first between Microsoft and Sony at this point? I honestly have no idea at this point. We're in such weird, unprecedented times. Like these consoles, in theory, are coming out in two months, and we don't have a price or a release date. And I don't know if you talked about it on the last episode, but Sony did that really weird pre-order. They opened like signups to basically get a lottery ticket to get yeah. a pre-order, even though they haven't announced price or release date. That's really weird. That coupled with like a week ago when they dropped a a trailer for the PlayStation 5 where it was just some lady shooting an arrow, again showcasing 3D audio, the DualSense controller, nothing that we didn't already know. It's like, are they teasing us because it's coming soon or just reminding us that like, hey, this console is coming, don't forget about us? Um, and then the, the whole lottery system with the pre-orders and it's like, are we only able to order through Sony and PlayStation specifically, or is this going to be available at GameStops and Amazons of the world? Like, what is going on? Are you guys going to delay this until next spring? There's just so much uncertainty. I think at this point, I'd almost rather, and I don't think they will do this, but I'd almost rather them just delay both consoles till next year. I think it would be to Microsoft's benefit, uh, because then you could launch the console with Halo um, 20 years after the original release of Halo 1 Combat Evolved. At that point, Sony would probably have quite possibly the most AAA ridiculous launch lineup of all time, because maybe they'll have Ratchet and Clank, um, 
Gran Turismo, Demon Souls remake, Miles Morales, um, Horizon 2, all that launched. They wouldn't do that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I just think we're all kind of just going into this next generation with kind of just like a just shrugging our shoulders. Yeah, we're going to drop it, you know, Um, understanding full well that COVID has probably played a significant role in the delay of all of this information. But um, I don't know. I, I don't think that they should just force it just because like this is these are the dates that they originally touted. Yeah, I think the hype is definitely way down now. It feels like they're forcing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people have kind of. That's why they keep drip feeding these little bits of news, mostly just as a hey, don't don't forget that we're still going to launch this thing. It's coming out eventually, and I really like console launches. Like I get very excited for them, and so I'm like, guys, give me give me something to be really excited about. Give me yeah. a release date. Give me a definitive launch lineup so I can start like planning out what I'm going to buy and getting all hyped and thinking about all the cool new experiences rather than just like, well, probably coming in November, probably. Yeah. When it sucks too, because I think, you know, I've never been really a day one adopter for most consoles, the Wii being the biggest exception, but even then I didn't get it day one. It was more like that Christmas. Um, But I think part of the excitement is going to the malls, going to the Best Buys, standing in a line with hundreds of people with your Game Boy Color or your PS Vita playing games into the midnight hours waiting for someone to come out and say, hey, we only have 50 of these consoles, line up, get ready, and they're giving you these tickets, and then you walk in and you put, you slap your three to four launch games on the, the counter and you buy these games and you run home and you play them. But like now with COVID, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't encourage people to be going to malls and standing out in front of Best Buys waiting for these systems. So... I think that again just adds fuel to the fire for me of like just just punt this until next year until this crazy year is over, you know. Um, but then at the other side of the coin is like everyone's just sitting, hold up in their homes, like give us something to be excited about, as you were saying, Blink. So I don't know. It's kind of a a catch twenty two in terms of like what's what's the right move. Yeah, it blows yeah, my mind. It's kind of no good answer. Yeah. Because we were so hyped coming out of the PlayStation 5 original 25 games, like, what, three months ago now? Yeah. And we've seen, what, one more, maybe two more things from Sony? Yeah, they had the state of play, but I think it almost would have been better to have that conference in, like, September, like, this month. Yeah. And say, hey, in two months, the console's coming out. Because then, no matter what your launch window is, everyone's still riding the hype waves of everything they showed. Yeah. No, I would... I would completely agree. Um, it, they blew their load way too early, um, and they should have definitely spread it out, if anything, instead yeah. of showing it all at once, give us three conferences of tiny stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to knock either one of them at this point, just because we're all trying to figure this year out together. Yeah, uh, We have no idea what conversations are happening behind the scenes with games that are in development, things that are being delayed, and how it's going to work with bottom line, so... To each of their own credit, you know, I applaud them for still moving forward with these console releases. Now it's just like, let us know when the heck it's happening. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we've talked long enough about Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony. As we always do in the Talk About This podcast, we talk about the actual games we're playing now. So Blink, please let us know what games are you kicking back and enjoying? What games are you playing on stream? We'd love to hear about it. So... I'll try not to make this an hour-long segment. So I was all, I got so confident. Yesterday, I had nothing planned. 
I it was an, a free Saturday. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sit down. I'm finally gonna beat Last of Us Part Two. Yes, it's been hanging over me forever. And I was so confident I had beaten this game. Oh no! <laughs> and then it just kept going. <laughs> and and it like. Like the final like scenes leading up to what I thought was the ending were so tense. Like I was so like stressed and anxious that when I had to like start sneaking around and doing stuff again, my brain could like could not process that I was going to keep playing this game. So let let me ask the two of you, and I would never want to spoil anything for anyone. In we can Last also, of Us too, but I can also put th- uh, things in the the timestamps below if you want to get into spoiler territory for a few minutes, and then I can I can put timestamps. But move forward to your question, please. Yeah, if you feel it's spoilery, feel free to, to tag it. But okay. I just want to know, if I was to... I assume you kind of know the part I'm at, but if I was to yeah. say that I'm in Santa Barbara, how how much Last of Us 2 is left? Like, you're in th- terms of hours. You're there. You you literally have, like, 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay. It I, will wrap I up eventually. I sort of thought that was the case, based on trophies and stuff, but... I. It was two in the morning. I did not have the mental energy to keep playing. No, I'm there with you. So I remember it was a Sunday night. Um, I got to your point where it's like Return of the King where there's 17 different endings. And it's like, what's going on here? Um, But when you get to that moment, I almost did the same thing because for me, it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I had to go to obviously I had to work the next day. And I was just how do you come down from the emotional highs and lows of this ridiculously taxing game on your mental space and once you get there I was like whatever you know I'm just gonna stick along for this ride wrap it up and however long it takes at this point I'm just gonna finish it and fortunately it is only like 45 minutes to an hour of gameplay after where you currently are yeah I got there I'll go finish it up probably after this so where are you at though like with your enjoyment because I think one of the biggest criticisms outside of obviously stuff that happens specifically in the story is that it overstays its welcome. Are you kind of getting into that same camp? Uh, I feel I felt that way right when I got to this next gameplay section because I, I did feel like I had seen some scenes that would have felt like pretty appropriate endings, especially yeah. kind of compared to how the first game ended. But I want to reserve that judgment until I see what the conclusion of this section is like if they are going to give me a reason where this extra bit was valuable then i don't want to say that it was too much before i get to that point but i definitely have a little bit of fatigue (laughs) right now because i was really mentally thinking i was done even though you know i had heard on podcasts i'd heard even the two of you talk about that this game sort of has a couple of sneaky i don't want to say false endings but it kind of return of the kings you like you said mm-hmm. so I, i'll reserve my final judgment until i actually finish it up yeah obviously i don't want to spoil anything for you and i guess before i even ask this question so you're going into this ending with spoiler free thoughts right like you have no idea what happens at the very end i'm assuming at this point no clue okay awesome that's perfect um to your point about like maybe there's a few other things that warrants this additional gameplay or extension of the game um, I think there is. I think there's some very pivotal moments that certainly warrant that extra game. But I'll leave it at that. I I literally cannot wait to hear your thoughts. If at two o'clock in the morning you find yourself, you know, Sprite's gone to sleep, your cats don't want to hear you talk, 
and you need someone to talk to, shoot me a Discord message. I will happily hop on a... Oops, there's the update notification. I will happily hop on a Discord call with you at any hour of the night to talk about this because there's a lot to process given that it'll be 30 hours of Last of Us Part 2 that you're then digesting. Heck yeah. Thanks for the offer. I'll probably take you up on it because it's already so much to process. Like, I, we were, like I said, we were up till two in the morning, Sprite and I watching this, and we really thought we were done. And I was like, I can't, you know, if this is going to be a two or three more hours of game, I can't keep playing. Yeah. And so we went to bed, and as we're laying there falling asleep, I was like, we had to just go right from Last of Us to sleep. Like, we both know we're just going to have nightmares yeah. all night. And, and we woke up this morning and we were like, so what was your Last of Us dream? <laughs> oh, I did this. How about you? Oh, I was doing this horrible thing. So it was a foregone conclusion. And hopefully I can beat it like while the sun is out and during a regular daytime so that I don't have to do that again tonight. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's where Sprite at with it? I mean, how did she feel about the first game, and what are her thoughts to this point when the second game? She loves the first game, and she's been loving the second game up to this point. Like she, I, she's been fully on board as have I with all the directions that the story has taken up to this point. And I okay. think we both share the same like. Uh, we're just a little cautious about this last bit just because it did catch us by surprise. And it, it doesn't help its case that it did happen, you know, at two in the morning when we're already like kind of tired. So our, our brains are a little bit more susceptible to feel stress and tension and stuff like that. So yeah. And your patience, she's, she's, in place. she's waiting to, she's reserving final judgment. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing you report back on the ending, but, um, well, good stuff. I'm glad you kind of just sat down and, and did have that mindset where it's just like, let's just let's just play this to conclusion. You know, unfortunately, you didn't get there yet, but um, well, The Last of Us Part Two definitely does that um, to you. But good really, stuff. you're just starting the the last third, so you have another like 14 hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't say that. There's actually four key lockets across all sides of the globe that you have to take your uh, your airship to go and find yeah you actually have to clean up seattle yeah uh so get rid of all the plants and all the overgrowth Mm -hmm. there's an evil sorceress that you know you need these four lockets to defeat them to save the world (laughs) but um you'll get suicide squad i was never get that silver trophy then we might just have to call it (laughs) yeah yeah um well good stuff anything uh anything else you've been playing recently yeah uh another one that i've been playing a lot is a game called Moon Remix RPG Adventure. Have either of you played or seen or heard of this game? When I hear Moon, I just think of the first-person shooter on DS. It's a good thing to think of, but it, this is very different. Okay. So this this game, this originally was an RPG that was Japanese exclusive, came out in like 1997, and then it just now, in 2020, finally got a translation and was released on the eShop. It was released on Switch. And the, the the pitch of this game, it's called Remix RPG Adventure Moon, is it's it's like an anti-RPG. The idea is rather than killing a bunch of monsters to get experience to level up, you are helping people and saving monsters to get a bunch of love and like fill the world with love and level up that way. What? And so the way it plays out, and this is going to sound really weird, is like one part adventure game a little bit of rpg and then one part luigi's mansion because what you're doing Mm. 
is you're fo- you're basically following in the footsteps of the hero of this world, who is a very like silver armor clad knight sword and board type guy who's who's going to go defeat the dragon. And as you follow the path he's taking through the game, you come across all of the slayed bodies of the monsters that he's killed mm. basically. Okay. And when you when you come across them, you'll get a little bit of information about them and then somewhere in that nearby area will be the spirit of that monster. And how you can find and catch the spirit changes from monster to monster very similar to how the special ghosts in luigi's mansion you'd have to do something very particular so like a good example is you come across the the corpse basically of this like canine looking dog type monster and the description of it says oh well this this creature has no territory of its own but it's very curious about the territory of other dogs and so this game is on a day-night cycle, and if you hang around this particular spot in the world long enough and it gets to a certain time of night, your dog will walk by and like pee on a tree near the corpse of this dog monster and run away. And then the spirit of that monster will show up to like smell and investigate the territory marking that your dog did, and only during that window where it's doing that can you capture it. So it, wow. it's a lot of like puzzle solving to try to figure out how to get the spirits of these monsters to appear so that you can essentially reunite their spirit with their body and sort of revive them and fill the world with love. That is a really interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's the, the lead director for it. His name is Kenichi Nishi. He was like a field designer and a map designer on games like, Chrono Trigger and Mario RPG. Okay. And he went to form a studio because he felt like RPGs were all too similar. So he wanted to make this like anti RPG, basically. That's definitely the most anti RPG out of left field game I think I've ever heard of. I love it. The hero's actually the villain for killing all these. Yeah. Spirits. The whole game is extremely quirky. It has that like, like dreamlike sort of weird vibe that some Japanese games have. This guy also worked on um, Lack of Love later on on the Dreamcast, if you've heard of that. Um, I think he has some ties to Chulip on PS2. If you ever played Chulip. Yeah, that's Um, that's a weird game. Yeah, so just (laughs) if you think of all those like really zany, very Japanese type games, it's like that. It's got a cool kind of painted background with claymation models sometimes art style it's just it's a wild game and it's super fun what is the name of this again i'm gonna write this down yeah uh it's usually just called moon but the full name is moon remix rpg adventure and it's on the eShop for like uh 15 bucks 20 bucks something like that definitely need to check this out that is so interesting and the one thing i'll say for anyone interested in it is it starts kind of slow and it's kind of difficult. Like it, you kind of don't understand the point of the game for a while, and so push through if you're interested. That very initial opening setup and like the the early feelings of not understanding what to do, or look up a guide. Okay. Uh, because once you kind of get rolling and you're exploring the whole world and finding all these different monsters and figuring stuff out, it's it's like a very one of a kind game. Awesome. I love it. Very interesting stuff. I never would have 
ever stumbled upon that game. Yeah, me neither. If it wasn't for you talking about it here, that's that's really good stuff. Oh, it's so good. I, and this is, it has been on my wish list for many, many years, the import version. And I was like, well, I'll just, you know, import it and find like a translation guide on GameFAQs or something. Even though there was never a complete fan translation, I still, it looked cool enough to want to still force my way through it. And then just like out of nowhere, boom, they they released it on the eShop. Wow. Very neat. Very neat. Well, please, I'm not going to yeah. stop you there. If you have any other games, keep going, man. I love hearing this. Uh, a couple of stream games. Yeah. I think you've seen Banjo-Kazooie Jiggies of Time. Love, but for anyone love, that hasn't love, seen it. Love this. That it's a 3D platformer ROM hack of Banjo-Kazooie that takes place in all of the levels from Ocarina of Time. So they took the Banjo-Kazooie engine and all the mechanics. It is a Banjo-Kazooie game. And then they completely recreated all of the Ocarina of Time levels as 3D platformer levels in the Banjo-Kazooie style, basically. And this is a, like, for a ROM hack or a mod or whatever you want to call it, this is a phenomenal game with so much love and so much attention to detail put in. There are, like, dozens of little nods to other platformers, other rare games, other, like, Nintendo 64 games in there. There's a bunch of, like like playable secret stages that I wouldn't want to spoil for anyone, but like you get to like really experience a wide range of other types of games as references in this. And then on top of that, it's just like a completely solid, very legitimate Banjo Kazooie game. Like it, it plays like it could have been a sequel to Banjo Tooie at the time. Yeah, I agree entirely. It's been such a treat to just watch you play this game and just to see kind of your raw, reactions to what's going on on screen whether it is just again experiencing the world of ocarina of time with all the banjo kazooie mechanics or it's tough because i don't want to spoil things either in terms of like the little hidden secrets but just seeing all of the the random game cases around littered around the world and just zooming in because it's very pixelated and zooming in and saying oh what game is that hidden around the corner there? Or you swim down to the bottom of this, you know, lake or whatever, and then, oh, what's what's that game hidden there? Um, all of it, to your point, is just, it's done so, so well. Um, I think the only thing that, like, frustrates me is, like, I would love... Now, listen, I don't buy a whole lot from Limited Run just because it's so difficult and challenging to get stuff from them, but if they, in some ideal scenario were able to print copies of this game on the N64 or even like switch copies. Oh my word. That'd be so amazing. Yeah. The, the only thing it is, I don't, so good. I don't even know how they'd like get the rights to do that. Honestly, I'm surprised they even got the rights to, to do this ROM hack at all. You know, um, I'm so glad they did. And one of the, the main delights, if you will, watching you play is just the musical variants of the classic Banjo-Kazooie themes melded and mixed together with the ocarina tracks is just oh my gosh it's so good it's so good yeah it it, the whole soundtrack is just like hit after hit after hit and the soundtrack in the game it's a really weird experience playing it because i'm very familiar with ocarina of time that was a big game for me growing up and i've beaten it many many times and so playing a 3d platformer that is a new game to me but I'm already familiar with all of the levels. Like I know where to go and where to look in terms of the like general shape of these worlds. And so 
it's wild being able to poke at all the different corners and experience those levels in a new way. Things that I've seen, you know, 10 plus times in my life at this point. And I know like, oh yeah, there's nothing behind that that shop. There's no reason to even go check there. I know I've I've checked in Ocarina of Time before. But now in Banjo-Kazooie, you're like, oh man, are they going to put something behind that shop? And sometimes they do. And sometimes you go behind there and there's a freaking portal that lets you play a whole other N64 game, which is all I'll say. Like, yep, it's just, yep. it's unreal. It, Like you said, I hope that someday there can be, even if it's just like a, uh, one of these smaller companies that makes repros like an IM8 bit or a retro bit or yep. uh, any company like that, it would be awesome to have a physical version of this with like a nice mock N64 box and oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be so sweet. Be well, because even the cover you have uh, as a still image on the left of your your stream, that cover art, like I seriously want like a, a movie theater sized poster of that framed in my room. Like it just looks so good. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's again, done up in the style of the key art from Ocarina of Time that you might have seen in like the guide and stuff, but with Banjo-Kazooie characters. It it blows my mind that the talent of this one guy, it's uh, the ROM hacker's Mark Kirko, and then obviously he had some other people helping him, but like this is a labor of love from him for the last five years, I think he's been working on this. Wow. And it's just, it's so impressive. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I'm looking forward to to seeing the conclusion of the game pretty soon because you you didn't finish it yet, did you? Right, you still have a couple. You're still trying to make your way through the final level. I still have a few things. Yeah, if I if I was gonna like come down off of my high and make one criticism oh, against right. this game, it would be it is pretty hard and pretty strict. Like to get to the last boss, you need if you do the math of the like the jiggies that you've spent in other areas, you essentially need to have found 97 of the 100 jiggies Oof. available in the game. Which is, they're basically saying at that point, you need to have found every single thing that this <laughs> game has to offer. Yeah. So we thought we were going to beat it on the last stream. We got really close, but we didn't have quite enough jiggies. I went back and did a little more cleanup, and I think I have enough jiggies now. So I don't want to deny the ending for people on stream. What I'll probably do is start a stream one day beat the game in the first hour and then we'll switch to another game after that so okay. that we don't have a really short stream and and we can still everyone can still see the ending but excellent yeah really good game everyone should check out it's called banjo kazooie jiggies of time if you look it up on youtube you can see how to download it and either put it on a flash cart or play it um on your pc and then the other game i've been playing on stream is soul blazer on the super nintendo i just started that one up and I don't have as much to say about this one other than it's just it's just a really solid action RPG from the Super Nintendo era. Very good music, uh, plays really well, controls great. Just clearly a gem of the Super Nintendo library. So I've been having a lot of fun with Soul Blazer. Good stuff. Yeah, I've been looking. I've been um, enjoying watching you play that too because I don't have a whole lot of <clears throat> excuse me familiarity with the the Super Nintendo library outside of the the major hitters and, and licensed Disney 3D, not 3D platformers, but just 2D platformers. So yeah, it's been fun watching you play that as well. So what a solid list of games you've been playing, Blake. My goodness, good stuff. That was almost like a Pete yeah. Door Aldrin Gamers segment there. Well, there's more than I'll, I'll shave off the rest for you because I we have other stuff to get to. But the last <laughs> game I will mention is 
Tony Hawk. And I'll mention it because it transitions into your list, and I know Absolutely. you've been playing it. So please tell me, how much are you loving this Tony Hawk remake? You know, it's been a kind of a kick in the ass, to be honest with you, because, like, <laughs> first of all, you know, eight, ten-year-old Rusty fell in love with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I wanted to become not a professional skater, but I certainly got a skateboard, was skating around with my buddies, and had having the time of my life. You know, nothing would have ever replicated that experience of playing the warehouse with Goldfinger Superman and just going down that initial hill, um, getting the hidden tape as you break through the glass of that area at the top. Um, I love Tony Hawk and never my wildest dreams that I ever think, not that I didn't think they would remake certainly the first game or the first two games. I never could have imagined that they would do it this well. I mean, this literally captures the entire essence and feel of of what Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was on the N64 or PS1 or Dreamcast, whatever you played it on growing up. But the the graphical uptick is so well done. Um, and I applaud them so much for adding things like experience points and being able to level up your character and adding a whole slew of random challenges that as you unlock them, you accumulate cash to spend in the pro shop. So you can get new skateboards, new shirts, new shoes, new pants, whatever it is. Um, but then this XP that you just, you accumulate by doing these challenges, whether it's, you know, performing certain tricks or unlocking um, new sk- skate levels to kind of go through or whatever. Um, the the whole package is, is just amazing. I'm loving everything about it. Um, I suck though. I'm I'm just awful at the game. Like two minutes is just not enough time for me anymore. Like I need at least five to six to even see all the map has to offer. Like even the warehouse for the first two minutes that I play the game, I think I racked up like five or six thousand points. With which, if you're not familiar with the Tony Hawk Hawk games, is awful. Like you can literally grind a couple rails and accumulate five thousand points. So it's been a lot of trial and error a lot of falling down, um, but I, I, I've been loving every minute spent with the game. I think uh, I haven't even dipped my toes into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 yet. I've just been playing the first game. Um, I'm in the process of trying to complete enough tasks to unlock Downhill Jam, so I think the most recent level that I unlocked, which is a lot harder to get through and find things that I remember, is uh, the Downtown level. Um, it's just so big and, and, and tough to kind of make your way and collect the skate letters and um, the popcorn and whatever else they have you collecting in that level. But um, the long and short of it is I think they made something really special with this Tony Hawk 1 and 2 package. Uh, I love that you can also kind of create your own skate parks and up those, upload those for others to play. Um, but yeah, I think... 20 years has not done anything well uh, for my Tony Hawk playing abilities, but I am curious, Blink, where, where are you at with the Tony Hawk remake? Pretty similar. It's been humbling. It's yeah. been fun, but it's, it's been humbling. Uh, I just, like you, I've only played Tony Hawk 1. I just wrapped up the the first game the other night. Uh, I think I still have a couple challenges to go clean up, but it... Hearing some of those songs, like you said, obviously Superman by Goldfinger uh, or like No Cigar by Mill and Cullen. Mm. And thinking back to 
playing that game when it first came out. It's been such a nostalgia trip for me. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty impressed with how well the controller like the controls feel. Yeah. Like I picked it up and it was very natural. Like yes. the the muscle memory from 15 20 years ago instantly came back to me and I was doing tricks and and like doing combos that I had done previously. So they they knocked it out of the park, I think, like you said, with all the extra stuff they added. Um, I mean, and they added a lot. They did. Uh, they really did. When I first booted that game up, I was almost overwhelmed by the the UI because yep. there's so much stuff happening. There's so many like tabs and sub tabs for all the different levels of customization and stuff. It's they. You can tell that they they cared a lot about making a good remake. They really did. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm looking forward to spending more time with it. Um, I mean, Ryan, is this something you're interested in getting? Yeah, I'll probably pick it up eventually. I don't have the nostalgia. I never was a skateboarder. Um, I think I played the fourth one like once or twice at a sleepover. Um, but from what you showed me, I couldn't get a hundred million on. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I could do that. You know? Yeah, easy, easy. Um, yeah, I, I'll eventually play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've just been in a gaming funk for myself. Um, I think the Mario will get me into something. My last two weeks have been super busy, so put in Kingdom Hearts last night, started up Chain of Memories. Yeah, so this is Chain of Memories, right? The yeah. Game Boy Advance remake. Yeah, the, trying the, to find a happy yeah. place, and uh, Kingdom Hearts is always a good uh, happy place to go to. So what are you thinking about it, though? Because you haven't really played it since the Game Boy Advance game. Yeah, I remember it being top-down, um, kind of like a Pokemon style. Um, they, they changed it to more Kingdom Hearts 1, Mm-hmm. Um, 3D models, which it, it's taking some getting used to. Um, I'm sure I'll like it eventually. Um, I was just looking for more of a an old school RPG kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Just grind out some cards and level up my Sora. Yeah, no, I mean, Kingdom Hearts, I mean, certainly the first game for me, it's just one of those comfort food games. I talk yeah. about it pretty much every episode of the podcast. Um, there's never a time where I can't go back to Kingdom Hearts and just feel the warm and fuzzies, you know, especially just Destiny Island, the original opening cutscenes with the um, kind of the glass windows that you're kind of walking through and choosing your character's arc in the beginning. Um, of course, I never connected as much uh, with Rechain of Memories as you did or Chain of Memories. Um, I remember vividly getting the Game Boy Advance copy uh, for Christmas. My mom got it for me. I was super thrilled. Um, I'm not sure how thrilled I was as a young kid with the card system coming away from recently playing Kingdom Hearts 1 and completely falling in love with that. Uh, but I certainly can see the appeal for it. And and hopefully, you know, um, leading up to the release of the Mario Collection, it can kind of get you through and, and you can kind of enjoy it. Yeah. I, I also played a bit of Minecraft as well, some more comfort food. Um, got back on the server. I think I played five hours Friday night um, and then I played another like four or five hours yesterday just I found a cool mountain range for my home um, so I'm digging out some stuff as I was finishing out uh, Avatar nice so I finished that last night um, this is it, how many rewatches you've done now of Avatar in the last airbender I want to say three full watches okay um, it's so good it's so well paced and the second to the last episode the way they kind of recap the entire series in a quick, full, like, 30-minute episode. Mm-hmm. So well done. Yeah. So Well, Blink's a big fan of the Avatar show as well. Yeah. Have we're you- almost through our rewatch. We're, we're a little over halfway through the, the Book of Fire. Okay. Have you watched Korra? 
before? Well, we watched the first season of Korra, and it was good, but it didn't hook us as much, and we, we always intended to keep watching it, and just kind of lost momentum. But we do plan on going back and, and probably watching Korra after we're done with the Avatar rewatch that we're doing here. Have you watched it before? Yeah, I've watched it. Um, it was hard to get through. Um, it, it's so different from the original. Um, the original's perfect in my mind. Um, Korra, they just take it over the top. I think they're trying to grow on what the Avatar can do. But it, it got too spacey. Mm-hmm. They got more into like the spirit side, like the spirit realm, and it just it kind of escalated so quickly that you're like, there's no more grounding to the Avatar itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll probably rewatch it to see if I still feel that same way. You've never seen it, have you? Rusty? Not Korra. No, okay. maybe maybe an episode back in college when I was um, when I had recently wrapped up Avatar for the first time because I didn't watch Avatar until. Um, you know, you and Lauren referred to me as Aang because I was <laughs> yeah. a lot thinner than I am now and I was bald and I, I guess I kind of looked and resembled the character. Yeah, you had a lemur. <laughs> yeah, a lemur kind of walked around with me. Um, I rode like a giant thing called Appa to, <laughs> yeah. to my classes. Yeah, it was weird seeing you show up to our college classes on a bison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, we accepted you. you yeah, know? you did. Um, unconditional love there in the Cole family. but Yeah, it took a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I, I never really connected with Korra a whole lot, but I also didn't really give it the time of day either. So maybe someday, maybe, but, um, but yeah, for me, th- these past, I guess, two weeks, um, been more streaming games, uh, and then more of Witcher three. So stream games, I don't know. I don't know if I talked about this in the last episode or not. I think I just kind of kicked it off with my initial impressions of heavy rain. Yeah. Um, but I did wrap that up and, uh, really enjoy my time with it i think it still holds up again i think my my only critiques um are the same ones i had when we talked about it originally excuse me two weeks ago that uh the voice acting can seem like the delivery of it can kind of seem robotic at times but the actual capturing of the faces is i think still holds up and is graphically looks pretty impressive um storytelling i think on another level i I literally clipped my reaction of kind of the the big reveal moment of who the origami killer is. I won't spoil it here. Um, kudos to our good friend Josh Frantic. He literally went back and captured my reaction and created yeah. emotes for my channel on Twitch, um, which were just hilarious. I I love the idea. Like I love Pete Door's emotes of his um, you know door sleeping, doorgasm, door oh my god, door wow, whatever it is. Um, but those are, I would love to be in the, uh, the room where Pete is taking those photos of himself yeah. and creating those emotes. Um, but I love the idea of a, a good friend tuning into a Twitch stream and just like, I can, I can cut that to be a Twitch emote. So those are both currently in the process of being approved. One of them actually has been approved. Um, nice. the rusty, oh my God, one where I'm holding my mouth closed or whatever. But, um, but yeah, no, I thought it was really, really, uh, well done. Literally the last person, um, and that cast of characters that I would have pitched as being the origami yeah. killer, which kudos on them. You know, those whodunit games or whodunit movies, you always feel like you have a pretty general idea of who it is, even if you don't always land on it. And this one was just completely came out of left field. Um, and it's one of those weird things where you kind of almost can empathize with the villain, you know, for his rationale and reasoning for what he's doing. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you kind of question like, that's crazy. Would I take that route? Yeah, no, <laughs> probably not. But um, 
but yeah, it, it is really interesting how they kind of weave that into the story and certainly how they also kind of tie together these seemingly very distinct opposite end storylines with all of these characters and then bring them all together in a very organic kind of seamless way. So kudos to the team at Quantic Dream. I think it is just a really, really well done game and I'm looking forward to their other offerings with, um, you okay over there? Yeah, I, I spazzed out and actually didn't kick the leg of the Okay, um, because I haven't played Beyond Two Souls and I haven't played uh, Detroit Become Human, but definitely games that are uh, in queue, in the backlog, something I want to eventually play. So Heavy Rain was good. Uh, recently, I also picked back up um, a new Super Lucky's Tale. Yeah. So I beat this on the Switch and I recently played um, and I guess bought the PS4 version. Um, and it's just a delightful, charming little platformer. Lucky's the cutest character maybe ever like he's just so damn cute his little reactions to the things in the world if there's little butterflies fluttering away he literally takes notice to them and looks if there's things crawling in the ground he looks at the ground and then he looks back at you and smiles it's just so charming and um, just a really great callback to your collectathon platformers in the n64 era so uh, more streams coming soon with that i think i probably should wrap that up in in um, another two streams or so but the game that's been taking the bulk of my time really the past month or so is The Witcher 3. And I I thought I was kind of in the final arc of the game, maybe only had a few hours left. And then uh, Round 2 Gaming on Twitter, uh, part of the Cartridge Club, he posted that he finished the game. So I responded and said, hey, this just happened. About how much more do you think I have? And he's like, well, if you don't do any side quests, about 30 hours. And I was like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> you got Last of Us 2'd. Yeah, I was like gotta you know buckle up get ready for a whole nother adventure um i would say the witcher 3 really kind of and i'll get to where i'm at in the story here in a second um i think the first act really is just bogged down with a whole bunch of fluff and is kind of slow but there's a certain hurdle that you get over probably honestly just the whole first act once you get over that um the pacing really picks up uh, the story, far more intriguing. What Geralt does in just these side quests and real, or not real quests, but main story quests that you go on are just a lot more exciting and fun to play. But oh my gosh, the quest that I just wrapped up last night where you're reunited, spoiler alert, you're reunited with Siri. it was literally the scale and epicness of a Battle of Helm's Deep. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah, and it's almost like a Mass Effect 2 thing where you're recruiting all of these characters to fight in this huge battle, and the payoff of that battle, mm-hmm. and the satisfaction of taking part in it, and even the planning that goes into it where you have to make critical decisions based on dialogue options with other people where it's like, do you want to fortify this wall, or do you want us to spend time setting traps for the enemies? Oh. And that has lasting impacts to not only the battle, but the fate of characters surviving or dying. So it's one of those things where you have to like, well, do I look up a guide to see if this character's yeah. going to die? Because I don't want so-and-so to die, but I also don't want this to happen. So Which one did you go with? Walls or traps? Uh, I fortified the walls. Okay. Um, so I think literally the only result of that is that it lessened the wave, the number of waves of guys that I had to end up fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but how all of that wraps up and where the character motivations are at after the fact, it's like, oh boy, let's go, Geralt. Like we... I'm ready to just boot up the PS4 and play that game to completion, even though it'll probably take another 12 to 15 hours. Um, but I got the, 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 
I guess my excitement, that flame has been reignited and I'm I'm ready to play this game to completion again. So you, do you think you're going to finish it tomorrow? Oh, no. No, I mean, it'll probably be another week or so <clears> before <throat> I finish it. Um, this is a game where I, I really haven't been playing for like five to six hours at a time. It's more one, two, three hour sessions. Okay. Um, I would say after night, last night's events, though, I didn't want to go to bed. Uh, it was more of a binge of a four to five hour session playing last night. Um, it, it, it's one of those things, though, where you look at something like Skyrim and it's something I can always go back to for me um, in terms of like a comfort food game. But I kind of liken it to Lord of the Rings where it's not surface level in its storytelling, but it's kind of the typical orcs, elves, and humans type of thing. Where I think The Witcher 3 kind of takes more of a fairy tale-ish type approach where it borrows more with, with Game of Thrones thematically in its approach to storytelling, okay. which I kind of appreciate. Whether it's something I go back to for years to come, I don't know. I think it's, it's more of like a, the decisions I make in this game are the decisions I, I have for life in terms of the character's fates and just the experience I have playing it. I really wouldn't want to tamper with that, but... Um, it's it's quickly becoming one of my favorite games from this past generation for sure. Nice. So really enjoying, enjoying it. it. How long did Act One take? What's that hurdle? That's probably one of my bigger criticisms of the game is that it doesn't have a timestamp, so I have no way of telling how long I've played it. And uh-huh. it's not like the Switch where the PS4 or PlayStation says like, "Oh, you've played this game for roughly fifty-five hours or whatever." Okay. Um, so I have no way of telling ballpark i feel like i've probably put 50 plus hours in the game at this point um but i can't say with absolute certainty okay but yeah i'll definitely play it after you yeah what about you blank are you uh have you played the witcher 3 never played it do you have any interest in it i don't know if you have um kind of an affinity for you know the western rpgs like the skyrims and oblivions of the world i really have never gotten super into any of them that i can think of my the most I've experienced any of those types of games was I played five to ten hours of Skyrim in VR, mm. and I really liked that. That was an amazing experience. But you know, I've never played Oblivion. I've never played through Skyrim. Um, oh, that's not true. I played Morrowind, but I was not super wild about Morrowind. Although I think that was more about playing the original Xbox version than it was the game itself. Yeah. Uh, but I would. I do have Witcher Three, and I would like to go through it at some point because it, like you said, it feels a little more like game of thrones and i really like the game of thrones books mm-hmm. i've never seen the show but i like the books so um, i do think it's something that i would enjoy i just get so intimidated by games of that scale and that scope where i'm like how am i gonna possibly find you know 50 to 100 hours to play through this game it it it, it makes it harder for me to build the motivation to start yeah yeah i felt the same way going into it and honestly it was one of those games where i kind of just which is why I never purchased it because um, I, I mean, I'm borrowing your copy, Ryan. But it was one of those things where I approached it with the mindset that I'm just going to pump a few hours into this and see if it clicks. And if it doesn't, then I'll set it down. Um, but it is one of those things where I just, it feels good to, at the end of a work day, just pop in and play for an hour or two. Even if I don't accomplish anything super significant story-wise, even just running around the map and completing a few Witcher hunts or side quests, I still feel a sense of accomplishment and it was a good use of my time, you yeah. know, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, maybe not try not to approach it with like, I need to, it's going to take a hundred hours of my time to beat this and just like, Hey, let's just see if it clicks. And if it doesn't great. Um, but I don't know. I, I've really been enjoying just kind of popping in a few hours here and there. 
Good. Awesome. So, but we have one final segment for this wonderful episode 90 with Blank. Ryan, I actually gave you the reins. I, I kind of pitched the idea. We typically go, typically go on a walk every day. Once, one time I stopped by with Scooby, and then we go on a walk in the afternoon with Nala, your dog. And I said, hey, would you be willing to put together some trivia questions for Blink and I, because typically uh, I always come up with trivia questions for some of the guests that we've had previously on the podcast and I host. Um, But I figured, like, I know Blink is going to destroy me, but, like, you'd get murdered if Blink did trivia with you. So um, we flipped the tables a little bit, and I gave you the reins to create some trivia questions. So you want to kind of break down the rules real quick? Yeah, so the rules are, these are all multiple choice except for the potential tiebreaker at the end. Uh, which is kind of just submit your answer closest to. Um, so if you know the question before the multiple choice, you get two points. And if you have to give the letter after I read through the multiple choice, it's one point. Okay, so we probably need, are we going to have some kind of a buzzword to buzz in if you know the answer before the multiple choice? Because Ape escape. No, we need like a singular like... Chumpo or something Chumpo like that. sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah, as well. Yeah, let's go with Chumpo. Okay, we'll okay. go with Chumpo as the buzzing word. Uh, if you know the answer before the multiple choice. So if, yeah, if you both do Chumpo, then Blink will type in his answer in Discord to me. Mm-hmm. And then you can shout it out after he submits his answer. Okay, so then if... So it gives you both the opportunity to get two points. Okay, I like that. Okay. I like that. Cool. And then if neither one of us Chumpo's in... Then we'll just wait for the multiple choice answers and submit yeah. our answer on Discord to you. Yeah, sure. And then you'll you're you're keeping tally back there. Yeah, I got a pen and paper. Good so. stuff. All right, Ryan. All well, right, the show's yours. All right. So number one, Atari is the Japanese word that means what? Chumpo. All right. Are you chumpoing in Blink? Is there a penalty for chumpoing in and being wrong? Yeah, you're kicked from the call. And <laughs> we stopped the podcast. Oh, then then Chumpo. Oh, you want to leave? I see. Um, so we both said Chumpo, and I said it first. So does, do we wait? So do we allow so Blink to write his Blink's answer? Blink's typing in? right now. So okay. he'll submit his answer, uh, and that is incorrect. Blink. I could have and sworn then, this was a question as part of the All Gen Gamers trivia session. Um, what is it? What's your answer? He he submitted. I thought it meant go. No, you're both wrong. So Blink said life with a question mark. Okay. And it means success. Success. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Zero points for both you guys. Wonderful. Starting off out a, strong. Off to a good start. Heck All yeah. Right. <laughs> so by question number two, uh, by playing Pac-Man perfectly without losing any lives. Completing all 255 levels, you can achieve a score of 3,333,360. Who was the first person to complete this? Jeez, I have no Jumbo. idea. Jumbo? All right, you yeah. can say it. Uh, yes, Billy Mitchell. Oh, man. Okay. Very nice. Wow. I know the name. I mean, he's, yeah, okay, good stuff. The Donkey Kong guy. Yep. All right, this one kind of out in left field. In 2011, this country passed the Cinderella Law that forbids children under 16 to play online video games after midnight from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. Just online games, not mobile or consoles. 
What country? Interesting. Made up. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I could chumpo in here, but I kind of want to just hear the multiple choice. All right. Both going to multiple? Yeah. All right. A is China. B is South Korea. C is Saudi Arabia. And D is Germany. And Rusty, are you Googling it over there? No, there's no horses. No horses. I'm just getting ready to type my, my letter on Discord. So... Can you name them again, please? Yes. China, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, and Germany. Okay. I'm going to type my letter here to you. All right. That mine's in. And Blink, oh, fuck. Blink did C, Saudi Arabia, and Rusty did B, South Korea. And Rusty is correct. Really? See, South when Korea. I almost chumpoed in and said South Korea. I don't know why... That was like ringing in my ears for some reason. Very nice. What an interesting law, though. The Cinderella law? Yeah, I was surprised to hear that. Um, the other background on that was basically you could have your parents call in to like get you out of it, and then people ended up like stealing passes from other countries to get around it as well. Wow. So, yeah, interesting. interesting. That is really wild. All right, question number four. Hironobu Sakaguchi Oh yeah Before creating Final Fantasy mm. series Made dozens of unsuccessful RPGs And what other genre of game? Wait, you said dozens of other RPGs And what other genre? Unsuccessful RPGs And unsuccessful what other genre of game? Oh, okay So we're looking for a genre here Yeah But it's obviously not RPGs Yes, correct Okay um, I'm going to multiple choice on this one. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to chuckle okay. on this. <laughs> yeah. All right. So A is racing, B is platformers, C is fighters, and D is shooters. One more time, please. Racers or racing, platformers, fighters, and shooters. Okay. What? Uh... A is racing. B is platformers. C is fighters and D is shooters. I mean, do we have a platform? I I, I assume like Famicom, like original Nintendo days, but I'm just waiting on uh, Blink's answer. Let's go with that one. All right. So Blink answered D shooters, and Rusty answered A. For racing, and the correct answer is racing. Really? Yeah. Well, that that was my second guess. Dang it. Well, we only take first guesses here on the Otaku Brothers podcast, Blank. <laughs> <laughs> or Chumpos. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was actually, uh, from what I was reading, Final Fantasy was his last attempt because he was a he dropped out of uh, schooling. So if Final Fantasy didn't work, he was going to have to go back to school. Hence his Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the origins of Final Fantasy, the naming convention? I don't, but I think that, no, that's, that's probably what it that's is. That's kind of fitting, yeah. Yeah. It's Final Fantasy of... I don't know how heavy a hand he would have, though, in the actual name of the game. Yeah, it's, You know, because he was probably, probably thick in development, but I don't know. That's that's definitely a curious thing to look name into. Name it. But. So, moving on to question five. Question five. What's the score right now? We don't want any question, or The score is two to two. Oh, boy. One chumpo on blinks, and oh, you got two questions. Ooh, here we go. How choice. many questions do we have total? 18 with a tiebreaker. Okay. Uh, being the 19. Okay. 
plenty of time to tear ahead. All right. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> Question number five. The title of the most expensive video game goes to which game? Expensive to make. Hmm. Chumpo. All right. Uh, Are you chumpoing? Yeah, I'll write it in, but okay. Blink gets the courtesy of saying it. Li- well, hold on. We should probably just both write it in, right? Yeah. I don't know. I kind of oh, like the idea I of the first person yeah, that says the first person that says Chumpo, if they're right and they write it in, gets two points. But since I didn't say Chumpo first, and I still get it right, I think I should only get one point, and Blink should get two. Okay, if he's right, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds correct. Yeah. All right, both you guys are correct. GTA Five is oh. the most expensive game. Uh, the production cost was 137 million, Jeez. and the marketing was 128 million. What? The marketing was almost as much as the yeah. development cost. Call of Duty was the second place. Modern Warfare Two, with the production cost being 50 million, and the marketing was 200 million. Yikes! Yeah. Dang. Is Red Dead Redemption Two probably up there? I feel like that was a spendy one too. Yeah. Probably. I I don't have the numbers for that one. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's almost eclipsed GTA Five. Potentially, I don't know. Okay, well, good question. I like it. Yeah. All right, um, so two for blank, up to four. Rusty gets one. Good stuff. Up to three. <clears throat> the cre- or question number six: The creator of the Pokemon series, Satoshi Tajiri, mm. um, used to watch what in his childhood that later inspired him to make Pokemon. Is this a is this a show that he watched or a movie, or is it that's just that's giving it. things away? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a shot in the dark with this one without multiple choice. I don't think. What about you, Blink? Are you going to yeah. chumpo? Are you looking? I for don't multiple? think I'm going to chumpo. I, I kind of know what right. I think it is, but I'd rather hear the multiple choice. Okay, so A is birds, B is caterpillars, C is bunnies, and D is hornets. Okay, I thought it was like the Looney Tunes or something like that. I didn't know where you were going with that question. <laughs> yeah, the Looney Tunes is the, the proto-Pokemon. Yeah, the main inspiration. Could you read the answers one more time? Yeah. So A is birds, uh, B is caterpillars, C is bunnies, and D is hornets. All eventually becoming Pokemon, too. Yeah. Yeah. And both of you guys are correct with answer B for caterpillars. Nice. Yeah, the full answer was uh, he watched, he ended up collecting caterpillars and watching them transition into butterflies as kind of his, I mean, butterfree. Nice. That's kind of cool. Yeah, in the evolution. That makes sense. I knew that like bug catching was an inspiration, but I didn't know if that was the exact answer for that one. Yeah, Yeah, it was specifically caterpillars. Very cool. Yeah. Moving on to question seven. In 2016, the video game industry was valued at roughly $70 billion worldwide. What country um, in the video game market generated the most amount of revenue? Hmm. So what country had the most amount of sales of that 70? Yeah, I'm tossing around a couple, but I don't know if I want to chumpo in. Uh, what year did you say? 2016. Yeah, let's go to the multiple choice. 
Multiple choice yeah. for USC? Yeah, multiple choice. All right. A is the United States. B is China. C is Germany. And D is Japan. <sighs> okay. I'm going <clears> to... <throat> One more time. A is the United States. B is China. C is Germany. And D is Japan. Okay. I think I'm just going to go with this. See All right, happens. so Rusty answered D, Japan, and Blink answered B as China. The answer is China. Really? Yeah. So I have the numbers. The United States was $25 billion. China was 27 which is so very close. Germany was 4 and Japan was 12 So I guess, was this just video game sales? Yeah, the overall market share. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So China being, I mean, most of the population, but the United States is buys a lot of video games density-wise. Okay, okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so the score is now six, (coughs) excuse me, six to four. Okay, I'm I'm ready for a comeback. taking the lead. Ready for a comeback. You're only one chumpo down. Exactly. All right, question number eight. Um. This country put a ban on Japanese cultural imports after World War II, and it wasn't lifted in 2000, until 2004, meaning they didn't get to experience Mario. What country was this? Can you repeat the question? Yeah. This country put a ban on Japanese cultural imports after World War II, and it wasn't lifted in two, until 2004, um, meaning they didn't get to experience Mario. What country was this? We need the multiple choice on this one. Yeah, there's no way I'm guessing this. <clears throat> All right. So A is the Philippines. D is South Korea. Whoa, we go from A to D? Was that how the alphabet works? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> uh, F is <laughs> India. Yeah, wait, what? And uh, G is the USSR. Okay, please repeat the... Okay, so... A is the Philippines, B is South Korea, C is India, and D is the USSR. Gosh, I I have no idea. Maybe one more time. Uh, Philippines, South Korea, India, USSR. Hmm. I've never oh, heard dark. of this before. Like, yeah, me either. So I feel like, oh gosh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with this. So Rusty answered Philippines and Blink answered USSR. The correct answer is South Korea. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they actually imported the, I guess, NES under the Hyundai Electric Distribution. So it was called Hyundai Comboy. Um, superseded by Super Comboy for the Super Nintendo, and then Comboy 64. Really? I've never heard that before. That's very interesting. Neither have I. That's fascinating. Yeah. All right. Okay, well. Score is still uh, six to four. All right. I'm here for it. So the voice actor, question number nine, the voice actor who played Master Chief on every Halo game to date is more famously known as Steve Downs, of what profession? So what profession does he do? 
outside of being Master Chief full-time. Well, I should know this since he and I exchanged cell phone numbers. Yeah, Uh, I'm starting to suspect a little bit of question bias here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've only seen him in his Master Chief armor, so... Yeah, but I follow him on Twitter, um, so I know what he looks like. Um, Yeah, I I, want to say... Do I chumbo on this one? I'll chumbo. Okay, so if you get... Or chumbo, chumbo, I'm sorry. If you chumbo wrong... Then he can go to mul- or Blink can go to multiple choice, and I have no access. Yeah, to you choice. don't. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, never mind. I want to go to the multiple choice. Okay, I, I'll allow it this time. You'll so. allow my retraction of the yeah, jumpo? yeah. Okay, you get one mulligan on the chumpos. Okay. All right, you go into multiple choice as well, Blink. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay, so A is an actor. B is a radio DJ. C is a game designer, and D is a TV host. I should have chumpoed. Another pretty much shot in the dark here. You guys both answered radio DJ, and that is correct. Yes. Uh, Uh, He's got a voice that sounds like a DJ. Yeah. Yeah. so he's been a radio DJ dating back to the 1970s. Um, he was most recently on Chicago's WDRV, The Drive. Interesting. Yeah. So he's yeah, been I think it was, it um, a while. I think it was Marty O'Donnell who obviously composed the earlier soundtracks for the Halo games. I, I don't remember the exact scenario or what happened behind the scenes, but he somehow knew Steve Downs and said like, hey you want to come in and do some voice work for this new video game that Microsoft is working on and the rest is history. Yeah. No, he's definitely got the voice for it. Like yeah, a low, scratchy... Yeah. Yeah. He is my master chief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on to question 10. Core design animator Toby Gard wanted to make an interactive movie starring a male character looking for treasure in Egyptian pyramids. <coughs> The character was deemed too close to Indiana Jones and was quickly switched to blank. So what's the character's name? Umpo. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to type something in here too. All right, so Blink's um, answer. You're a chumpo, everybody. Oh, chumpo, chumpo. Okay, both chumpoing. But yeah, Blink obviously gets the two points if he gets this right, and I get the one. He did not get it right. Oh, he did not. Oh, dang. You also didn't get it right. What? So both answered Laura Croft. Oh, It man. was first changed to Laura Cruz, uh, but in order to mesh better with a UK-friendly name, they looked through a phone directory and settled on Croft. So it was first changed to Laura Cruz. Wait, what? what? What was the question? So after they deemed that the character was too close to Indiana Jones, the what was the name switched to? It was originally switched to Laura Cruz. Oh, that's before BS. Originally switching to Laura Croft. I think we should both get a point. Okay, I'll give you it, both a us, point. Us not getting a point is functionally the same as us. No, yeah, it doesn't really matter. No, it's not. You want to inflate your your points? It's does it make you feel better? It does. Yeah, it makes All me right, feel better. I'll give you both one. All right, Thanks. a pity point. <laughs> 
Yeah, they ended up changing it to an, one name before they changed it to Croft. Okay, I guess I, I'm sure Blink uh, agrees with me. I guess we misunderstood the question. Okay. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I would never have known that there was another name for Lara Croft ahead of time. See, I was I was told that you know everything about video game history. I'm I'm disappointed that you didn't know that. No, I do. I just I, I would ask for just a better trivia host, actually. <laughs> oh shit. All right. I guess we can get freaking Master Chief in here. I'm just kidding, Ryan. Uh-huh. <laughs> well we'll see as these biased questions keep coming yeah. out. Yeah. These exactly. are specifically Next for question Rusty. is gonna be noted game fan Lauren. Her middle name <laughs> yeah. is what? When yeah. she was eight, what was her favorite game? Yeah. Rusty. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, question number 11. What was the first video game to travel into space? Like to take place in space or? No, to video game, like to be played in space, not like physically taken like, into like our physically space. Physically in our space, not Yeah, not space. like Halos in space. Like, oh. what did we take to a, a space station to be played? Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I have some guesses, but I want the multiple choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want the multiple choice as well. Okay. So A is Donkey Kong Country. Ooh. B is Pokemon Blue version. C is Mario Cement Factory, and D is Tetris. <coughs> Those are just a really interesting selection of games. I, I thought so too. And C was what? Uh, Mario Cement Factory. I mean, that's such an oddity. I've never even heard of that. It's like early 1980s Mario game. I don't know. I think it was like 1983. I believe that. Donkey Kong was the first game Mario... Whatever. I'm not asking questions anymore. I'm just guessing. Um, But I'm just going to go with this. All right. Did Blink answer... Did Blink answer? Uh, yeah, it looks like. So Blink answered C, Mario Cement Factory, and Rusty answered Tetris, or D. And Tetris is correct. Is it? Yeah. I, I was just looking for... Mario Cement Factory showed up. Yeah, I, I was trying to pull out a obscure Mario game. So it was actually brought in space in 1993 by a, a Russian... What was his name? Alexander Sabrov. Okay. Yeah. And the game was later sold for basically $1,200. Interesting. After coming back to Earth. Okay. So Rusty gets That's a point cool. for that. That is pretty neat. Uh, Do you throw Donkey Kong Country in there? Because I played it recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that. that's an old game. I don't know. Imagine hooking up a Super Nintendo with like, your space <laughs> yeah. station. That's floating around. Like, massive burden. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, uh, this seems a little too close to home here. I, I don't think that, yeah. that was actually played in space. But Okay. All right. What question are we on now? What's the score? Number 12. The score is 8 to 7. Oh, boy. Blink ahead. Ooh. A close race. Yes, it is. So these are where they get into real-world events. So what presidential candidate bought ad space in video games to promote their message? Trumpo. All right. It was Biden, right? In Animal Crossing. (laughs) No. Oh, okay. Well, that's a thing. 
Okay. Is that really a thing? I, I haven't seen that. I mean, Is I don't know recent? if he actually, his campaign people, like, pushed for that, but there's... There's Biden ads? In, there's, in like, actual, like, Biden. You can put get, like, Biden... Um, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Signs? Signs to, like, put in your yard. I did not know that. Animal Crossing, yeah. Wow, All right, that's... Well, that's I'll give you a point. No, you don't have to I, give I me a point. You don't have to give me a point. I, I was just, like... It seems so timely and relevant. No, this is yeah, this is like past. Okay, okay. Well, then Not, it's yeah. Balls and Blinks Court now. Yeah, it's multiple choice for sure. Okay, so the answers are A. George Bush Jr., uh, B. Barack Obama, <coughs> C. Donald Trump, and D. Bill Clinton. You can still answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll type an answer just because I'm curious. But I mean, I'd... uh. We'll just shot in the dark here. <coughs> do you uh, have the game that it was for too? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. Because I this is just really interesting to me. Okay, so shit. Um, Blink answered Bill Clinton, and Rusty answered George Bush Jr. Well, first correct? of all, it's George W. Bush. I don't think he's a junior. He is a junior. Is he? Yeah, because it's George Bush Senior. It was his dad. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I double checked. Same middle name, but they don't have the same middle name, dude. It's George H. Wait, what is it? It's George W. Bush and George like H. Bush or something like that. Yeah, or it's he's also a junior. I don't believe you, but go ahead with the uh, okay. the answers. So, <laughs> uh, so the correct answer was Barack Obama. What? <coughs> so that was my second guess. During the 2008 presidential campaign. Uh, Barack Obama purchased ads in 18 games that ran in 10 states. Uh, Vote for Change billboards were run in Burnout, Paradise, Skate, Madden, and other games targeted for demographic um, for the ages of 18 to 34. Wow, that's that's yeah. that's wild. Interesting. I thought it was really interesting too because yeah. I, I don't remember playing Burnout Paradise and seeing Obama ads, but I guess I well, it's almost kind of subliminal because you're yeah. not really paying attention to it, but you're still like racing and seeing those signs you know it's kind of it's there but it's not so blatant where it's like that's obama's face (laughs) (laughs) oh hey yeah so okay that's cool yep score is still eight to seven all right question what 13 number 13 in the nintendo 64 game goldeneye 007 rare um originally intended to include additional play a playable character models for the multiplayer before it being scrapped. Which bond was not included in this lineup? Which bond? Yeah, James Bond. Like, actor. I don't know if I understand the question, because there's only Pierce Brosnan's like. Yeah, so they're going to add the other James Bonds to the multiplayer as a skin that you could wear okay. in the multiplayer. So the question is, which ones... Which one... Which... I guess I have to... This has to be multiple choice. Which one of the multiple choice was not in the lineup to be a multiple... Okay, so they all got scrapped. Yeah. But... One of these multiple choice... Wasn't one of the ones that got scrapped. He was never considered. Yes. So the three of these four were planned and one of them was never planned? Yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. (coughs) Um, I don't even know if I could rattle off all the James Bonds, so go so, ahead. So, yeah, this has to be multiple choice because it's one, which one isn't. 
Um, so A is Roger Moore. Um, B is Timothy Dalton. C is Sean Connery. And D is George Lazenby. All right, that's interesting. That's my answer. There's mine. So Blink answered C, Sean Connery. And Rusty answered D, George Lazembe. I've read that name like 50 times, and it's still like the, that combination of letters throws me off. So Rusty is correct. Okay. Um, George was not in the original Ooh. lineup. The other three were. I don't even remember him being a Bond. He was yeah, an either. old Bond, I think, for one movie. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So <clears throat> this plan was scrapped. Um but there was a group called the Rare Witch Pro- Rare Witch Project that cracked the code and found it back in 2005. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, the interesting right. thing about interesting. the GoldenEye multiplayer to begin with is it was only like a month or two before they wrapped development that they even added it to the game and then that's what's probably most well yeah, regarded most and remembered is the the GoldenEye multiplayer. But yeah, so it was like the, an afterthought almost. Yeah. So it's not, the frames for the characters are still in the game. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Thought that was interesting. Cool. I mean, the only character that matters in that game is Boris, but it's, it's neat nonetheless. <laughs> oh, speaking of Goldeneye, by the way, we're going to have an epic showdown post-COVID where, you know, we're going to bring the Surge, the popcorn, the Taco Bell. There's going to be cheesy gordita crunches just everywhere. And Blink and I are going to do an absolute showdown of Goldeneye. And uh, I mean, it'll be embarrassing for Blink, but, you know, it'll be fun. Yeah. Mm. Is that going to well, be a stream? Well, if the trivia is any indication, maybe I shouldn't have quite as big of a head. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I you will definitely hyped strike. yourself up for a tie. Someday that would be fun, though, if we do end up ever meeting up at a convention or something like that, just packing an N64 and uh, getting that recorded. That'd be good times. But Oh, it's on. Whenever, whenever, however it can work out, it's definitely happening. <clears throat> That'd be so fun. All right, back to trivia, Ryan. What's yes. uh, where are we at with points, and uh, what question are we on? So currently, it is tied eight to eight, and we are on question fourteen. All right, let's do it because Lauren again is probably getting frustrated. She's probably in there. pissed. So, in the original Legend of Zelda game, what is the max number of rupees? Hmm, I'm not really familiar with the original Zelda beyond the ambassador games on the 3DS. So, um. I think I'm just going to do multiple choice on this unless Blink wants to Chempo in. Let's let's go to multiple choice. Okay. <clears throat> so A is 245, B is 255, C is 265, and D is 275. Well, none of those are answers that I had rattling around my brain. <laughs> yeah, so, so probably good you didn't Chempo. I was like, 99. yeah, glad I didn't jump on my nine hundred ninety-nine. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking like, uh, it's capped at like, yeah, ninety-nine or something like that. Okay, well, uh, you want to read those off one more time for us? Yes. Um, so it is two forty-five, two fifty-five, two sixty-five, and two seventy-five. Okay. Let's see where that answer takes me. Okay, so Blink answered two fifty-five. <laughs> And Rusty answered 265. The correct answer is B, 255. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What a random number. Like, it's the well, it's max like, that's cap. like the max number in hexadecimal, right? Yeah. Oh. For an 8-bit, it was that was the max number. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess... So that's why you see a lot of the numbers 
think there was already one question that had a 255 in it. It's okay, Ryan. We don't have to look for it again. We're, we're right. trying to move this train. Oh, along. it was the Pac-Man one. Okay. So completing the 255 levels uh, was because of that 8-bit um, max. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. <coughs> All right. So score is now 9 to 8. Oof. All right. Question 15. Only a few more. What Final Fantasy games add mock Nintendo with the phrase... Um, someone get the guys who make cartridge games a cigarette and a blindfold. So what Final Fantasy number ran that ad? Jumpo. All right. I'll type it in. And then certainly, Blink, if you want to Jumpo in as well, you can. Uh, yeah, we'll Jumpo. I probably should have uh, guessed this one. but uh, oh, I, uh, There we go. Yes, you guys are both correct. It was Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, that's what I figured because that was kind of like the turn of the generation where they were yeah, using where discs they went and from cards. To Sony. <clears throat> that ties it up again, yeah. No, I think you're still up by one. Yeah, so it's eleven to ten. Is it though? But don't I get one point because I jumped second? He gets one point. Oh shit! You're right. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're, we're ten, all, ten. Ten. Uh, okay, ten all. Here we go. Ooh. Yeah, they said oh, if snap. that. If Final Fantasy VII was to be on cartridge, it would retail at twelve hundred dollars. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of cartridges. Just to recoup their production costs? Or no, to like to put the full game from a disc to the space of cartridges. Oh, because okay. there's that's why they made the wow. switch was because it was so limiting on space. Interesting. So okay, yeah. would have been a very expensive experience. Yes. Question number sixteen. <coughs> sixteen. Yep. In the first Civilization game, Gandhi's aggression rating was the lowest score of one, meaning he didn't want to make war. Which government style could be paired with him to make him the most aggressive character? This is a country? It's like oligarchy, monarchy, what government style? Mm. Yeah, there's no way I'm uh, chumpoing on this. Blink, are you going to jump out? Wow, it's like on the tip of my tongue. No, I, I will go to the multiple choice. Okay. So these are the governments that could be paired with Gandhi to make him the most aggressive character in the game. So democracy, monarchy, dictatorship, or oligarchy. Okay. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, let's do that one. All right, so Blink answered democracy, and Rusty answered dictatorship. And Blink actually got it correct, democracy. Really? I was thinking that, like... It, it like, underflows and yeah. makes him aggressive. It's like a bug. In the yeah. game that's very famous. So he's at one. Democracy oh. lowers it by two. And instead of going negative, it reverts back to the highest number, which is 255. Oh, wow. That's so he just wants to nuke everyone. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, all right. Correct score now 11 to 10. Number 17. Is this the last question, or was there one more after One this? more after this. Okay. <clears throat> and then the potential tiebreaker. 
what comedian made a visit to 343 Industries and recorded audio for a dock worker aboard a spaceship for Halo? Uh, this audio made it into Halo 4 in the level called Shutdown. So what comedian has his voice in Halo 4? Multiple choice for me. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I don't know this one. Uh, a is Bill Burr. B is Conan O'Brien. C is C.S. Or C.S. Lewis. Louis C.K. <laughs> there were letters in there. Uh, D is Stephen Colbert. Okay. That's my answer. All right. Both answered Conan O'Brien, and that is correct. Yeah. he. I don't know if he's a big gamer, but he was also in Death Stranding. Yeah. I, I think he just goes to the studios and just... Has a good time. Fucks around, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So now it's, what, 11 to 12 blinks in yep. the lead? Okay. And this is the last question. Last question before the tiebreaker. Oh, boy. If you, you chumpo and I can't chumpo, you take it. Oh, boy. We can see. What game shipped with a scratch and sniff to enhance the experience? Chumpo. Blink's got it. Um... No, that's not correct. But it did ship with one. Well, I guess I have to read multiple choice then out of this list. Well, because I'm sure we both said Earthbound. Yeah, it's it's a more recent one than the original. Okay, well, we both should get a point regardless. Yeah, that's fine. It, yeah. They cancel out anyway. Okay. And um, then- so out of this list, Madden, FIFA, Mario Kart, Dead or Alive Extreme. What? What? Yeah. Which one shipped with a scratch and sniff? Are we sniffing someone's jock strap in Madden? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Yeah, one of them shipped with a scratch and sniff. We, is this, like, still an open question, or is this just for the fun? This is for, no, this is for, it. Oh, you both get one point anyway, but this is still, you're ahead right now, Blink. It'd be 13 to 12. So which one of those four games sh- uh, shipped? I mean, I think this is at this point just for fun because yeah. neither one of us yeah. can get points or whatever. But um, that's, um, that's, that's I, I guess go with this one. Really interesting. Dead or Alive Extreme. That's the like sexy ladies with beach volleyball. Well, I'm aware what it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is actually <laughs> FIFA. And on the disc or B what? with FIFA, it said smell the pitch. What? Yeah, I was surprised. It was that in Grand, or was it Gran Turismo Two? Shipped with like a a pit stop smell. What you like a smell of grass, basically for FIFA. S- smell the pitch. I don't understand. Like you, you hear. I, I don't know soccer terms, but maybe the pitch is something to do with soccer. I mean, I played soccer for a number of years, and I never smelling pitches. <sighs> well, smell is Me too, just, but I was like twelve. So what do I know? What is the pitch in soccer? I don't know. That's that's wacky. No kidding. But I wish it was Mario Kart. I want to smell a banana. Yeah, that'd be it's, kind of uh, the pitch is the field. Oh, so the football pitch oh. is the field. So just, smell the field. It's just a smell of grass. The grass. Okay. Well, that's. I guess never... soccer fans know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was absolutely earthbound, but yeah, it just it wasn't included on my list. Okay. Well. Um, <coughs> I think for the fun of it, we, what, do a Final Jeopardy question now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so let's do it. Number 19. What is the highest grossing uh, the highest grossing game of all time 
is World of Warcraft bringing in how much money over its lifetime? Okay. So are we wagering points and then... Yeah, if we want to. Okay, so we'll wager points. We should have wagered points before the question, but that's okay. That's typically how Jeopardy works. Um, I mean, this is just for funsies, right? Yeah, this is... So I'll... uh... Okay, repeat the the question one more time. (coughs) Yeah. How much did WoW make in its lifetime to date? Yeah. Do you have a, a, a date... That because I mean this could be like 2017 numbers or this is 2016 I think. Okay, well thanks for the clarification at the f- the forefront of the question. You know what? Like you said earlier, I'm just that a shitty. Not have affected my answer. <laughs> Tribute. <person. laughs> yeah, to Blink's point, it wouldn't affect my answer either. But um, okay. Um, okay, I I feel like I'm going to be off by like an enormous sum of money. Me too, but I'm just gonna. Uh, do I have to type in my wager too? That's what I did, yeah. Okay, wager. How many points do I have? Uh, you have 13. And Rusty has 12. For all the marbles. And... Um... God. Yeah, because the game's been out a while. Yeah. Well, okay, it's been out for how many years? 14 years? Something like that. Yeah, as long as RuneScape's been out. Because 2004, I thought was when WoW released. So 16, right? I think it was 2004. Is it closest without going over, or is it just, just closest in general? Closest in general. Oh, but t- through 2016 uh, would have been 14 years, yeah. Or math whatever doesn't matter yeah. 12 years that doesn't, who cares um, 50 years <laughs> if I'm off by like the entire revenue that the game industry has made for all time <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm hundreds of billions of dollars off but yeah you are yeah uh, <laughs> let's say It's just wild to think that, about that a singular uh, game, one wow, solitary game. <coughs> so, uh, both participants wagered all of their points. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not afraid. So, Rusty, Rusty amount-wise, said $379 billion. Yeah, buddy. Which is like <laughs> one quarter of the micro, or the market share of Apple. Um, We're talking about wow! Don't bring yeah, yeah, this. which is it just it's a shit ton of money. And Blink said thirteen million, million, or billion, billion, billion. Oh. The correct answer was ten billion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's like a, a third of a trillion dollars. Hey man, some people want the good armor. You know, yeah. you got to pay for that type of stuff. I thought it was going to be like one billion. My thought was like, I don't know, a billion <laughs> for like maybe every year they've been out, other than the first couple of years, because. It wasn't as popular back then. Yeah, no, even even ten billion is a ton. Wow, so, wow, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> so all in all, at the end of the day, it looks like uh, so twenty six to zero. 
Because you got the wrong answer. Oh, so right? he was closest. Yeah, yeah. he was closest. Wow, good, good game. What was it? Twenty-seven to zero. Would you just say twenty-six to zero? Twenty-six to zero. What a game! Yeah, really representing close, the otaku. close competition. <laughs> yeah, it really was yeah. close. Really was close. Um, good well, that questions, was a, by the way. Really weird ones. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I was trying to figure out weird stuff that wouldn't be because I was told that you're really good at history. So, yeah. Well, I mean, just having listened to the the uh, the All Gen Gamers podcast and being a part of those communities, you kind of just accumulate a lot of knowledge about a lot of things related to video games. So um, I wanted you to make it, make it really tough because Blink and I kind of have that, that shared knowledge and experience. Yeah, so. the Billy Mitchell one I was surprised you got, but it's also Pac-Man. Um, the first guy on the list was David Race, who he wasn't the first person to get the completion, but he was the fastest time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But you just got yes. rid of my answers by chumpoing. Yeah. Well, that was one heck of an episode. I know I had the absolute time of my life having you on the show, Blink. It was definitely an honor and a privilege to have you join us. We had lots of fun talking about a whole slew of things. I I honestly don't think we've had a guest. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I don't think we've had a guest on the podcast where we've reached three hours of audio recording. And uh, well, I guess there's a first time for everything, right? Because, were we really at three hours? Yeah, we're at three hours. Holy shit. Yeah. So... Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Blank. It was fun times. It was a blast. Thanks for having me on. I'll be happy to come back anytime. Nope, this it is a one-time was. thing. I appreciate yeah, the offering. Yeah, though. we're banning you from the Discord after this. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, then, it was awesome to go out with a blast crushing Rusty 2016. <laughs> yeah. Blink for life. Chumpo! No, uh, Chumpo. We, will, we will absolutely have you on the podcast again. Um yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, but please, for the listeners that don't know, where can we find you on the interwebs? Probably the best place to find me is Twitch. So twitch.tv slash Blinkoom. That's with an M. So B-L-I-N-K-O-O-M, like Mary. Uh, and then from there, on my About page there, there's links to my Twitter, which is also at Blinkoom, to my YouTube, which is Blinkoom. Um, but yeah, mostly Twitch is where I'm probably most active and easy to get a hold of streaming tuesdays thursdays and fridays starting at seven central playing a whole bunch of different cool interesting games so come hang out or at the very least join the otaku brothers discord if you're not in that discord because you can find me there along with a bunch of other wonderful people absolutely thank you for transitioning there (laughs) yes if you're not in the otaku brothers discord you absolutely should be i feel like the community has never been more alive and thriving in there with some of the best conversations going on with some of the best people. So please click the link in the show notes. You'll automatically be added to the server. All you have to do is create an account and it's free to have great discussions with awesome people. So please do that. And Ryan and I will be back next week recording an episode with another very special guest. We actually don't even know if the person exists. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually hops behind a, a, a microphone of some kind to uh to talk with us but with that being said i think we'll call this episode a wrap thank you so much for listening to the podcast again we didn't get to the listener questions but you can ask us questions uh, on the listener block feed in the discord or if you want to write us a more lengthy question or record yourself an audio question we love those write it and send it into otaku brothers podcast at gmail.com as we always say here anything that makes the show better we're all about it. But Ryan, as I always do, wrapping up the Otaku Brothers podcast episode, I turn it back to you to say, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, just have a good week. Stay healthy. Follow Blinkoom. 
and uh, we'll see you in a week with a, an astral dragon joining yes, us. Yes, we will. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you.